Art, cars, crystals, and death chairs? This Philadelphia landmark was home to one of the city's greatest collectors of antiques, priceless artifacts, and ghosts. When his family of Pennsylvania elites moved into the mansion on the hill, they had no way of knowing that some family members were moving in for eternity. Was this structure truly haunted, or were the spirits attached to the treasures within its walls? This week's episode is The Bailroy Mansion, The Most Haunted Home in America. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Oftentimes when we uh, pick a subject, I find myself falling in love with one of the main characters, fell in love with Mahaley. I mean, name you name it, we fall in love with these people. And the this is one of the stories that I love the most. Mr. Easby, George Mead Easby. What a kind, eccentric character who we all wish that we had had the pleasure of knowing. Whatever you, it's just you find a person that just lives their life mm-hmm. how they want to live it. That Unapologetically. Is like, nope, I'm going to throw fancy parties. He would also be like, don't sit in that chair or you will die. Mm-hmm. And then people Which would sit in the nice. chair. Which is nice. I mean, if you've got <laughs> a death chair at your home and you have a party, a heads up is appreciated. You know what? It's a premises liability. You have to mm-hmm. warn people of a known hazard. He's like, listen, I can't help it. I can't stop this death chair. And the fact that it actually took... Allegedly, uh, three lives, several mm-hmm. have been attributed to it. it. You know what, though? He said, this is an antique. It's a collectible, and I'm keeping it. And to be a place where they say, hey, can we borrow some stuff from your house for the White House, for the mm-hmm. legitimate actual president? That's how you know you got some high-quality stuff. I'm waiting people on aren't that coming. call still. Because I feel like, I like there's aren't something in my house that Biden wants. I haven't figured out what yet, but it's here. Maybe Petal. Yeah, I would say, or the tiny pig. We need a presidential pig. (laughs) (laughs) We're putting Petal in the presidential pig parade. I just, the amount of times I've seen Petal recently, it's been more recently Mm -hmm. because we've been hanging out outside as the weather is cooling. Mm -hmm. And I cannot stop myself from just open mouth, just reveling. I'm just in awe. Majestic quite a bit when describing her. And that is what she is. It's just incredible to watch her. She's just happy. She just makes her little like <laughs> like happy sounds. And when she when Tommy like like oh, yeah. gives her like belly scratches, it is ridiculous. She just sort of tumps yeah, she and does. then lays back. She <sighs> does a little you can tell she'll start to get a little weak in the knees and then it's just a tump right on her side and her legs just stick straight out. They don't lay on the ground cuz her stomach prevents that. So Yeah. It's just all tummy, four little legs sticking out, and just a pig in hog heaven. She is. She's just perfect. Well, uh, you have a priceless artifact in your house, and this family had priceless artifacts in their house. The wild part about this house is that people just live there, and we rolled up on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And didn't really want to walk up the the steps. Like, you know, you don't want to, like, go in somebody's house and walk up the driveway and be rude. But we were able to look at it from the outside and see several houses uh, or several photos. It's a very nice area. 
Oh, it's very, it's Chestnut Hill. It's the nicest area in Philadelphia because mm-hmm. it's home of the Schmitter Sandwich. <laughs> I'd only been to Philly once before and it was uh, over a decade ago for a work trip and it was not enjoyable. This was a much more enjoyable trip. And I have to say, I was shocked at how pretty the city is. I did not it's expect so that. It's gorgeous. It's always sunny there. No, I'm kidding. But it is. There's still, it's very lush. When we drove up mm-hmm. through Chestnut Hill and we're like driving by the river and the old kind of cobblestone streets in some parts of Chestnut Hill, it's so, so nice. And the people at the McNally's Tavern, oh. which is the home of the Schmitters, it's like you're in their house. I loved like, them. We put a napkin, I think Leanne had finished her potato salad and put a napkin in the container and closed the lid just kind of to try to pre-bust the table. And it looked like there maybe was still potato salad in there. And the server came up and said, did you not like the potato salad? I'll get you another. Do you? It's, it was just so thoughtful, kind. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure you're having a great time. And you had a Bloody Mary there. It was very good. It was even better because of the environment. We commented immediately that all the employees looked like they were having fun. They were all, like, joking with each other. The wait staff appeared to all be, like, sisters or cousins. Mm -hmm. They were older Mm -hmm. women. They were just, like, having the times of their life. One of them we spoke to, her father had owned the place, and she was showing us, like, all the pictures on the wall and telling us the history behind them. And you could just feel the love and the... The regulars are treated like family, and it was it was very nice. I think I said in this show, too, that the city is very aesthetically and artistically laid out well. Like, if you looked at it from a bird's eye view, all the, like, patinaed fences and statues and buildings, I feel like they were placed very nicely. So it's all very balanced, and I appreciate that. Well, and that's Philadelphia for you. I love the city, not just because my husband is a huge Eagles fan. Barf me to death. They're playing this week. It's about to be. Oh, I know. They're also playing on Christmas Eve. So happy holidays. (laughs) Dallas and and Philly are playing on Christmas Eve. Oh, it'll be fine. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Things get a little obnoxious in this house. Well, I'm shocked. Things. I mean, he's an Eagles fan. I love him. I married him. It's on me. Uh, but I have always just loved this city because my friend Elise lives there. I love It's Always Sunny. And like you said, it feels to me like it's a legit, like, I love Dallas. It's a great city. But Philly is like a city from a movie. Like, it's a star on its own right. And it's like you said, the layout makes sense. Uh, downtown is beautiful whenever you go. Like, in the uh, at Christmas time, they light up City Hall. And we had a good time. We ended up staying on Penn's Landing. So they had those oh, swan so boats, cute. which rejected from the swan boats yeah, due to weather. We were. But those, we had like a giant red Adirondack chair. We were grabbed a drink, walked up and down the boardwalk. It was super cute. The hotel had a great view of oh, the yeah. water. And we had a big ass TV. And we got to watch uh, the Requeen. Yeah. It was a shark we film. watched the Requeen after the show. We like to watch. What we think are horror movies, some are good, some are bad. We chose this one, with Alicia Silverstone. It was an adventure. Didn't we also, it must have been the next night, maybe the first <gasps> yes. night we got there, we watched The Queen, and then we watched Earthquake 10.0 yeah. or something yes. about fracking. It was how great. Fracking, <laughs> it, was, it was the guy from Lost, was in oh, it. Oh, yeah, he was, yes. Oh, man. 
the effects of that earthquake and how it could literally just go right between your legs. The crack would. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you're just, you got to pick a side. Which side are you going to jump to? It was that not earthquake. how earthquakes really happen, I don't think. But it was entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, I don't know that they're that vindictive, that they're like, fuck you in particular. <laughs> We're going to crack right between here. And we did have a uh, battle of the listeners when we asked what was the best cheesesteak. And so I there are many places with gluten-free bread. So shout out to the whole city for nice. making sure I have my GF options when I go places. And I ordered mine with Cheese Whiz that night because everyone at the show said I had to. It was a good choice. You have a, that's a question of how should I get my cheesesteak mm-hmm. is uh, not, the answer is never, just however you want it. It's like, this is what you yeah. have to do. And if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. And I'm like, you said it a different way than the person <laughs> sitting beside you. And they're like, they're wrong too. And then that person's like, no, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I love it. I like a confident answer. As <laughs> nice like, as well, people like. from Philly can be, they dig into their beliefs, whether it be <laughs> football, cheesesteaks history in general there's a lot of history in the city which i appreciate i still haven't seen the damn bell you gotta go see the liberty bell i, know. I mean it's do it's i cracked. i mean i'm sure it's cool but like it's not mint condition i need to warn you there's been some <laughs> really? damage, there's been some damage. <laughs> well, i heard there's a giant crack in it so i know about that at least Hey, me too. There's a giant crack in me too. But we had a really lovely time at the theater for the living arts in philadelphia and i'll just say again this Subject, this mansion, my only regret is that George Mead Easby is no longer with mm-hmm. us because I would love to meet him. Oh, and, I'd love to go to a party there. Okay. Well, he's probably still there. <laughs> That's true. The way things have gone. Perhaps he's not gone. the current residents are having a Halloween party with him this season. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, I'm in. <laughs> oh, yes, please. If you live there and you're like, I saw you ladies trolling around my street that day and having the discussion of should we go up the driveway and ring the doorbell? Should we not? We chose the latter. Yes. If this is you and you're okay with hosting us, we will come back and take a tour of the house. I'll jump on a plane right now. Yeah, I'll buy a ticket today. Let's go. <laughs> let us yeah, know. If you have an inn at the Bailroy Mansion, let us know. But uh, if you have a hot cheesesteak take, just that's cool. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> we already got yelled We've at about it. learned how we like them. We have a couple places here that have good ones, but I'm sure they don't hold a candle to the ones in Philly. So I'll just wait till I go back there to get it how I was. I believe we, uh, some people wanted peppers, some didn't. Some want mushrooms, some don't. Others say cheese whiz. Others say a different type of sauce. I don't remember. Provolone. Provolone, yeah. So there was a lot of opinions. And that's okay. That's what, It's a city of brotherly love. At the end of the day, we're all still uh, united in our love, not only for ghosts, but in the number of uh, semen-related jokes we made about the ectoplasm in this <laughs> That's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> Buckle up, because there's a lot of that in this one. <laughs> That's awesome. Like we're a sports team. Like we're the Phillies who won today, right? Oh, the Phillies. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, the Phillies won today. Fuck yeah, they won. We've Mm. been doing a lot of accents over the past week. Yeah, Boston, Boston, New York. 
They've all kind of become one at this point. Now Philadelphia. I was listening to recordings of Philadelphians to try to be like, oh, like water? Like, do you need a glass of water? water? Are you going to get steak? Oh, you're going to get steaks? Is it from Pastor Gino's? Because my cousin Mary Louise said, you got to go to Gino's. Like, it gets there, but it's, like, so hard. And they also were saying, like, it just, they go, well, it changes from generation to generation and neighborhood to neighborhood. I was like, so everyone's just like, that's how I do it. That's my voice. I'm like, love you, Philadelphians. Because it's like, no, I do it right. I say it right. Like, how do you Google, like, how to order a cheesesteak? It's like, I'll tell you how to order it, but it's not going to be the same as the article you read or the other person you asked. But no no one says, I like it this way. They go, this is the right way to do it. (laughs) We were, this came up because we have, we're just Googling how the proper way to order a cheesesteak. Please don't scream. We were like, everyone's... And so we've already chosen the place we're ordering from after the show, but we wanted y'all's opinion, and we're going to order live from stage, on how we should (laughs) order these cheesesteaks. So um, first question, I need to know about the cheese. Do I get cheese Whiz? Hey, I gotta get cheese whiz. I was thinking provolone, but if I've been doing God, provolone, we're split. We're split. Fuck, I'll do okay, whiz. Wait, hold. If cheer, if you say cheese whiz. Okay, okay. Now, if you say provolone, I think cheese whiz won. We had some booze. Straight up provolone, booze for provolone. Straight up got booed. I did provolone yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna have two cheesesteaks in a row. Whatever. I'll go cheese whiz today. I will defer to the crowd. I'm deferring to the crowd. I'm going to do cheese whiz. And then, do y'all do onions and mushrooms? One person. Scream for onions. Scream for mushrooms. Wow. It's a different, it's a different smattering. I got mushrooms and onions, I think, and peppers, bell peppers last night. And I got bell peppers and banana peppers and mayonnaise. You went wild. I also got mayonnaise. Is that crazy? We're going to get food off the stage. I don't care. I'll do it. I didn't know. You know what? I order cheesesteak the right way. I get mayonnaise on it. Yeah. So go fuck yourself. I'm kidding. I'm Uh, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We did get mayonnaise on it. I know nothing. (laughs) It was good, but tonight I'm going cheese whiz. Well, going cheese whiz, mushrooms, onions. No mayo. No mayo. Do I do bell peppers? God, it's chaos. People are emphatic about I love how their cheesesteaks. Yeah. I'm telling you, everyone is just like has this belief that they are right, and I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there's going to be a fight breaking out. Someone's yelling, yes, peppers. Someone else turned around and went, no. The guy uh, uh, at Dry Bar today was like, what's like the sandwich that Dallas is known for? And I was like, we don't have brisket? one. Yeah. I go, we have Tex-Mex and barbecue. Yeah, that's pretty and much. then he said to me, oh, yeah, y'all have really good barbecue. Like Florida. And I said, no, yeah, because I wasn't going to argue with them. But in my head, I was like, no, they don't no, have I don't think good that's right. barbecue, I don't think. Barbecue gator? I don't think that's what they're known for. Probably not. No. Probably not. But well, we, did, uh, we did have the all-time best sandwich, which is the Schmitter. We went we to McNally's in Chestnut Hill. Earlier. We, we got had this visit, visit Chestnut Hill for this uh, topic. And Beautiful. we know, I was like, McNally's is not that far. <laughs> it was very good. I have only been to Philly once. It was over a decade ago, and I was just here for like a day. So I didn't get to see how gorgeous your city is. I love this there's place. There's so much water. I just kept going, God, there's so much water and green greenery. The Schuylkill, the Schuylkill River? Yeah. Saw people, I saw a friend of mine was running next to the Schuylkill. It was crazy. 
Um, my in-laws are in Philadelphia. They're not in New Jersey, so... And I'm married to an Eagles fan, so... I... And one of my best friends lives here, so I love Philadelphia, and I get to come like three or four times a year, and I love it every time, whether it's Christmas or summertime. It was exceptionally hot today, but beautiful, sunny, fun day, and I loved my sandwich. I love my in-laws, I love my friends, but I love my sandwich. We're going, and Mary we, Louise we, gave uh, me a really good sandwich. We got a cute little area we're staying in, too, that has a lot of cute stuff around it. Heather wanted to go on a paddle boat in a giant swan. We tried, but the weather shut it down. I was so sad. It was Penn's Landing. They said you can only paddle inside the landing, but I feel like if we would have gone fast enough, we could have made it out into the waterways. We're going for open water. Certainly, yeah. They would. Uh, how are they going to stop us? Not with these legs, baby. <laughs> we would have made it out. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, due to the weather, I couldn't go. But we did sit in a giant Adirondack chair. We mm-hmm. had some cider uh, and just enjoyed Penn's Landing and the weather and the beautiful city. So yeah, yeah we're happy gorgeous. to be here. And we saw this house, but uh, did not... Uh, trespass. So it's private property. No, people, real people live there, not yes. just ghosts. So we didn't want to uh, go up into their area, but we their did business. take some pictures. It's a very lovely area over there. Yeah. For sure. We thought about knocking on the door and we almost did it. But then I was like, how do you get up there? It's like, there's no, like, stairs. It's a hilly like, town. you got to walk up that driveway. I was like, nah. No, it's a hilly place. It's very hilly. A the driveway mine. went like this. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. I was like, what if it ices? Like, how, you got to get a bridge. Just bridge it. Yeah. No, you got to, or like chains on your tires, I guess. Something. But this fellow had a Rolls Royce. So I don't know if you're supposed to put chains on a Rolls Royce. Uh, we'll see, though. But yeah, I lo- it's, it's, it's a hilly town. Philly it's a hilly, hilly. T- a hilly, hilly and town. windy town. Love it. That's y'all's motto, right? City of hilly and windy love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, yeah, we got a lot to get into. Cover so it. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. The city of brotherly love, home to the Liberty Bell, the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Eagles. Philadelphia is a world-class city home to universities, centuries of history, and a thriving community of people all willing to lend a helping hand. One of those native Philadelphians was George Gordon Mead Easby. George was always willing to host people at his eccentric home, but some of the more ephemeral visitors showed up and never left. We don't even have to guess if he's a super rich person because he's got four names. Yeah, four names means you're super rich. Three names that are all first names means you're a serial killer, but four names means (laughs) you're super rich. They always put people's middle names when you're... Oh, yeah. When you're on... Well, I guess... I don't know Ted Bundy's middle name. Douchebag. Yeah. Or maybe... Maybe my theory is wrong, because now I'm thinking about a bunch of serial killers, and I don't know any other Well, you're names. thinking of assassins. Oh, we do know one. We do John know- Wilkes Booth. John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy, he has three. And also, um, uh, the guy that shot... Mark David Chapman, who shot John Lennon, he had three names. Okay. They just let out Hinkley out of jail, the guy that shot Ronald Reagan for Jodie Foster's love, and yes, he started a band and then sold out concerts. So... Damn. Why? What kind of music? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. What a weird sentence. Yeah, it was they a... shot Ronald Reagan over Jodie Foster. That was a wild time. It was a wild time. It was called the... Most Haunted House in Philadelphia. 
by the Liberty Line, the impressive stone mansion located on Mermaid Lane in Philadelphia's Chestnut Hill neighborhood was built in 1911. Legend has it that the original owner, a carpenter, murdered his wife in the very house he designed after it was completed. 13 years later, in 1924, six-year-old George Easby and his family moved into the beautiful 30-room, three-story home. His father, M. Stevenson Easby, was a banker and World War I hero. His mother, Henrietta, a reserved and proper woman, was the great-great-great-granddaughter of Union General George G. Meade, who led the charge at the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah, this was the era of people that every time they're mentioned in old-timey newspapers, it's always like, of the famed Easby family, or of the famed Meade family. They were always mentioning their breeding and Mm -hmm. who they were from. Y'all know that your city has a lot of history? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I thought so. We saw where the Declaration of Independence was signed today. Yes, we did. Right next to a Dunkin' Donuts. Right there. Which we assumed was, is was there. It's original this, to the site. It's an yeah. original, original structure. Yeah. It was the very first Dunkin' Donuts where it Thomas was a Jefferson long night. went you to have get to stay up. a mochaccino. You gotta have a mochaccino to munchkins. stay up. He had a box of munchkins. Munchkins? Yeah, the little tiny nuggets, the munchkins at the Dunkin' Donuts. Donut holes? Yeah, they're called munchkins at the Dunkin'. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you gotta go get munchkins at the Dunkin'. <laughs> yeah, man, man, I'm still on Boston, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I can't, I haven't <laughs> given up the Boston one yet. The house, which the Easby's called Mermaid Gables. That's another way you know you're super rich is when you name your home. We must name the manor, Henrietta. <laughs> what do you suggest? We, uh, our Wi-Fi says Wallace Brownstone, so I guess that's <laughs> the name of our mansion, our East Dallas mansion. <laughs> My Wi-Fi is called Rusty Shackleford, so... There you go. All right, then that's yours. Well, Mermaid Gables was soon filled with the family's collection of valuable goods. Once called the most important private collection of American antiquities, the collection topped over 100,000 pieces. George's parents had amassed the assortment over the years, inheriting it from their ancestors, seven of whom were original signers of the Declaration of Independence, and one of whom was the King of Ireland, Though George told the Philadelphia Inquirer, their royal relative wasn't a terribly good one. Damn. Judgment. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, he was a terrible king. Uh, Yeah, they had, this is a nightmare house for me to grow up in as a kid that broke everything and dropped things, left things out. You got 100,000 collectibles. I guess that's true. If you have that many, there's always something else. Maybe they won't notice that it's gone. No, man. They, uh, yeah, they had all kinds of stuff that little baby Heather would have broke. What was the most valuable thing you broke as a child? Ooh, that's a good... Uh, my mom bought me this scooter. This was pre-Razor scooters, because I think a Razor scooter could have taken a car, and this scooter was plastic, and I left it out, and my dad backed over it when he went to work. Oh, classic. And I cried and cried, because, I mean, you can't... Once the, the middle part's broken, it's no longer a scooter. Um, it was like uh, a skip skateboard it. at that Point. Yeah, some days on a good day. And yeah, I was really sad. And my mom's like, well, if you didn't want it destroyed, you shouldn't have left it in the driveway. So lesson learned. I mean, but yeah, that was like, did a you ever Santa. leave it in the driveway again? No, I left, never left anything out there. It was a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. The Santa? What were you going to say? Oh, it was like a Santa gift. It was like the oh, biggest. Oh, a Santa like, gift. Santa yeah. always gave us, yeah. I had a scooter too. It was purple. Damn. What color was yours? 
pink with uh, had yellow handlebars and blue wheels. It was fucking Damn. badass, dude. That sounds awesome. Had stickers you got to put on it. Shh, not after that. I went in a dumpster. Oh, no. Over the years, the Easbys accumulated a poem Benjamin Franklin hand-wrote to his mother and flatware used by the signers of the Declaration of Independence. They mean plasticware from (laughs) D&D. Even things like the dining chairs were once owned by Thomas Mifflin, Pennsylvania's first governor. And founder of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. I believe that is correct, yes. I mean, it was nothing in this house was just like, oh, this is from Ikea. That's like no. from Haverty's. Everything was, had a story. Yes. It's exhausting at some point to go over to a person's house like that. You're like, I just want a beer. Yeah. Oh, could I get you a beer out of this stein that's from our not-so-wonderful relative that was the king of England? <laughs> You're like, sure, sure I don't yes. care. Whatever. Every time you visit, yeah, it doesn't matter. You pull a chair out. Oh, that chair. That chair was original, too. Yeah, all of them. I have sat in an Ikea chair and broken it before. Uh, Who hasn't? Right. And so hopefully if they've lasted from the earliest days of the state of Pennsylvania, that they're pretty hearty. But Mm -hmm. if I'm going to a dinner party, I'll be like, I'll just stand. It's fine. (laughs) But then they're like, you're you're using Napoleon's chinaware. And I'm like, fuck. Don't tell me. I'm going to drop this. I'm going to break it. Mm-hmm. Incidents they could not explain began happening not long after the Eastbys moved into the home. One afternoon while playing in the front yard, George's brother Stephen looked into the large fountain. George saw his reflection staring back at him. Stephen saw something much more sinister. Rather than seeing his boyish grin reflected in the water, Stephen saw a skull. <laughs> Tragically, Stephen died not long after. If you see a skull. At age 11, from a blood clot in the brain, the family was devastated. Florence Ryder, the family's nurse, also another way, you know, you're super rich, you've got your own nurse and doctor on staff. She told reporters later that she heard weeping in the boys' room decades after his death, even when the room was completely empty. Gardeners also reported seeing the face of a small boy in the upper windows after Stephen was gone. Sad. Yeah, that's uh, especially having that. Now George has had this very first incident of seeing something at a super young age of six that you're like, oh, that's a weird thing. And then something horrible happens Mm -hmm. just a few months later. I imagine that puts you a little bit on higher alert, especially Mm -hmm. it happened in the fountain in front of your house that like any glass you see a reflection in, you're like, check yourself every time. Because that's uh, a scarring for a six year old, not just losing your brother, but having that. Now this dread you have of like, what am I going to foretell? It's like everything is foreseen in this house. Mm -hmm. George was eventually drafted into the military, though he never identified as an army man. He worked as a freelance political cartoonist during World War II and also spent time singing in summer theaters in Cape May. He ended up working with the State Department on their Fine Arts Committee. This served both George and the State Department well, as the federal government often borrowed items from the mansion's collection to outfit the White House and other government landmarks. That's, you're pretty baller when the White House is calling you up for your decorations. Yeah, they said that there was a specific tea set that was one that the founders had used Mm -hmm. and that there would be this kind of nondescript rental truck would pull up and these men in suits and dark glasses and white gloves would come in. 
Yeah, it was the government, but they didn't want to make a big show of it, so it would just kind of be like, oh, it's just a moving van, and they would come and get this really, really valuable a tea mo- set. And movers in suits and sunglasses. Yeah, right, they should have just sprung for costumes. Because <laughs> the neighbors are going to get wise they to it. They half bought into this, but then they, they lost it on the costumes. Either that, they're like, they're, the neighbors are like, oh, they're very rich. They have the, they're in tailored suits. Yes. <laughs> they have like very fancy they have movers. the fancy movers. But yeah, they would, if it was like a uh, really big dignitary coming over, they wanted to serve them on the tea set, but the government didn't own it, so you had to call up George and be like, hey, can we borrow that? Mm. You'd be like, for a price. No, yeah. I'm kidding. He would, uh, he that's, you got to get out of jail free card forever. If the government so. needs your Chairs? antiquities yes. <laughs> to decorate, then you're so. like, yeah. I mean, that's a you can tell you what you can do. You can paddle on that swan thing past the... <laughs> the, let you do the, anything. The barriers, for They're sure. Like, we actually had to shut down. You're like, <clears throat> I have this special card here. <laughs> George's mother died in 1961 at the age of 82. According to George, six years later is when the spiritual activity in the home ramped up. In one instance, George entered a room and felt a hand clutch onto his arm. When he flipped on the lights, no one was there. It was that same year, in 1967, that George first discovered a foggy white mist in the house that he called ectoplasm. He took it as a sign indicating the presence of spirits. And maybe it was because he had that incident as a child that he seemed... I mean, obviously, whenever the ghosts were grabbing a hold of you, it's disturbing. But he seemed, in these cases, a lot more, like, almost studying it or, like... Huh, okay, let's document that. Let's take it. Where's my camera? I'll take a picture of it. Well, he's now had his brother and his mother pass in this in the house. Yes, yeah, so I would imagine that I would think, oh, this is a friendly spirit. True. One that I the one that I know. Even as a 51-year-old man, George said his father still treated him like a boy, telling the inquirer, "My family always considered me a child and felt a child shouldn't be given very much." When George's father died in 1969, George was finally able to step into his role in the family. He was left in charge of the entire estate. Soon, maintaining the mansion and its vast collection of goods became George's full-time job. One order of business was changing the name. Mermaid Gables didn't suit George, so he told the Philadelphia Daily News that he made up the name Bailroy, calling it after a chateau he had seen in Normandy, France. You know what? There's a new George in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you got like, a new Wi-Fi name when everybody else dies. <laughs> you get it. to rename that Wi-Fi. My house now. We've uh, we looked up many times the correct pronunciation of Bailroy. Turns out with a Philly accent, <laughs> there's three or four different ways. Or if you find just a hillbilly's YouTube and they don't call it the right thing, you're like, I'm glad I source checked this so I didn't go out and make an idiot of myself. We some people say Balleroy, which I don't think is how Philadelphians say it. No. Balleroy. Yeah, Balleroy is how uh, our, I texted my friend Elise, who lives in Philly, and I said, I don't want to look like an idiot in, bunch, in front of a bunch of cool <laughs> Philadelphians. He's like, you've got to hook us up. We don't want to look dumb. So that's what we came up with. Soon George became even more outspoken about the bumps in the night regularly experienced at the Bailroy. When asked by a reporter who he thought the ghostly visitors might be, he guessed a possible former owner of the house, saying, Maybe one of the ghosts is one of the tailors who didn't like what we did with the house. Rude. Right? <laughs> Some Beetlejuice shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, but, well, but, 
And that, you're like, God damn, I must have really bad taste. If this whole time I haven't been haunted and now like I made one change and now shit's happening. You're like, I'll just paint the bathroom and then the paint can jumps over. Yeah, you're, like, and you're like, I'm sorry. Not uh, green. I guess I won't. Yeah, not that color. One of his closest companions, besides the specters, was his yellow-cheeked Amazon talking parrot, Toby. The bird was a faithful companion and acted as a sort of ghost alarm. George told the Inquirer, When the parrot screams and flies around in terror, chances are good that something ghostly is around. George believed that the furnishings, rather than the building, were the source of the psychic energy. To get a handle on what was happening, he frequently turned to psychic Judy Richardson. I fucking love George Easby because he just did him. Like, he said even before his parents died that they, he said, my parents were pretty cosmopolitan for as, you know, well-bred as they were. They Mm -hmm. were like, sure, go be a cartoonist. Go play in the theater, whatever you want to do. He said they were very supportive. And then, yeah, it's like he got the role of a lifetime of like, do you want to be the lord of a ghastly (laughs) manor? And he was like, absolutely, I do. Well, you know what you need? An eccentric pet. Oh, perhaps this yellow parrot that talks and sits upon my shoulder? I shall call him Toby. (laughs) Toby, yeah, I do want to know how that came to be. It doesn't seem like a bird name, but perhaps, I don't know. You might meet the bird, though, and you go, yeah, it's a Toby. Yeah, I get it. Okay, it's Toby, yeah. But uh, dogs be damned. If you want something to let you know when something's in the house, get a bird. Yeah, for sure. Those things, loud as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. George's mother's ghost would visit him often, and after his father's death, George found an interesting note. It was addressed to him from his dad, instructing George not to be frightened when he saw the ghost of his mother. Apparently, George's dad had also seen the spirit of his deceased wife, with George telling the inquirer, Undoubtedly, my father had seen her ghost on several occasions. So she was hiding out until... She would only talk to the dad, it sounds like, until the dad passed away. There's not really any uh, sightings of the father's ghost, but it's always his mom's ghost and his little brother's. Mm-hmm. Dad was done. He, he tapped out. But Dad, Dad was like, I've had he enough was like, of these done. goddamn collectibles. Yeah. I've been walking on eggshells for too long. He, <laughs> he got out. He went and lived in a tiny home, and he Marie Kondo'd everything. Yes. He's like, so he didn't have anything unnecessary. You don't have to worry about your elbow knocking down something that Mm-mm. was irreplaceable. George didn't need the note to assuage his fears. He believed his mother's ghost was there to protect and watch over him, and possibly watch over her things as well. George admitted when he tried rearranging his mother's favorite room, the drawing room, items tended to fly around. Once a brass bowl flew from a shelf, hitting a guest in the head. George took that as a warning to leave the drawing room just as it was. Or maybe get a new friend. Yeah, maybe like, that's your mom being like, "No, this isn't." She's like, "It's not the decorations; it's him." <laughs> it wasn't. That's hard to get uh, homeowners insurance, though. If you have to be like, "Do you have a swimming pool that people could get injured in? Do you have a fountain that you've ever seen like a skull in? Do you have things that might injure Do you have any a guests? parrot that like screeches when something ghastly appears?" Yeah, it's. Uh, he tried to have a fire or a burglar alarm, but of course the ghost. Yeah, a just burglar set it off. alarm. Burglar Up alarm. Top. Hi. Throughout the 1970s, George hosted charity functions in the mansion, complete with singing, dancing, and seances. 
During one of the seances, the medium, Judith Richardson, recognized four ghosts at Bailroy. She identified two. One is John Milton, the English poet, and the other is Mikhail Ney, Napoleon's field marshal. Michel. Michel, Michel Ney. Ney. After all, George possessed Napoleon's watch, snuff box, china, and one of his chairs, so the marshal may have been drawn to the object's energy. He told the inquirer, The house was built in 1911, but the furniture is quite old. I suppose the psychic phenomena has perhaps come along with the furniture. And it's worth so many dollars, you can't get rid of no. it. No! I guess and she, plus, he likes it. He does. He, like I said, he really stepped into the role. He wore really great suits with like ascots, kind of a Gomez Adams. I'm vibe. sorry, you might be describing Professor Nicodemus Waitley <laughs> that we had as our ghost uh, hunt tour, tour guide. guide in Salem, who was not British. He but was British. Pretended to be. He was very British. He was great. He wrote two master's theses on ghosts. So what have you done with your life? Yeah, That's and he I was, was like. dressed just as Heather uh, described. However, yeah. I wonder if George ever did an entire tour of his mansion with his fly down it was before crushing. realizing it. Yeah, I have like I had major tour guide like oh if that because I've given thousands of tours and I'm like that's had to have happened. It was a or it like, was a lot. I, it was like, a struggle. Do we tell him? Do we not? We thought no. There was 20 other people. We would have embarrassed him. Instead, we just. Let Talk him embarrass himself. There wasn't a good opportunity to like be like, hey, professor, come over here for a second. I got in trouble for drinking ginger ale. It was a whole yeah. time. Yeah, uh, I had too many snacks. Yeah, yeah, we all got yelled at for something. Bad at some kids point. on the field trip. Yeah, it was the bad kids on the field trip. <laughs> we were the bad kids on the field trip, yeah. He goes, are you taking notes? And I said, I take notes on everything I do. He was like, ooh. It's <laughs> like, all right then. Cool, cool, cool. He goes, are you going to be eating the entire time? And I was like, perhaps. <laughs> I had a sack of snacks that I needed to consume. You got to clean out the snack sack before you get done yes, with the tour. which I bought from them, so yeah. you're welcome. And then he got into it with Heather about her ginger ale. Yeah. Which is weird because I had to, he goes, are you allowed to be drinking that? And I said, it's ginger ale. And he goes, oh. And he looked at it, he goes, Canada Dry. Schweppes is better. <laughs> this is Seagram's, though. It's like, just as fine. But then Great. Leanne was drinking a Schweppes, and he goes, Anna. oh, Schweppes, that's disgusting. We're like, which one is it, Professor? This is wild. There's no rules. <laughs> no, no rules. In Salem. Oh, no rules in Salem. There was a lot, yeah. He, uh... He, he was a vibe. His grandmother got sad at one point. It was point. amazing. He said she, she was, was like, the only one that believed in him. And I loved it so much. Yeah. I and just now kept, picture I watched that, but his fly is down. I watched the whole tour, like, on the edge of my seat and to the point that he was like, you're distracting me. And I was like, I love you so much. I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt your feelings ever. And I was like, I'll just go. His fly wasn't just down. It was like, it was like, when your shirt is like poking out from it, so your fly's like the it Holy was Spirit. Poofy. Like it wasn't like burp. the zipper wasn't like that. It was like this. It was really noticeable. You know what? Everyone on that tour noticed it, and no one said a word. Maybe he couldn't zip it up. You know what I mean? Oh, you write two master's theses on What's ghosts. Down there, you packing something. That's why you needed that cane. Swag. You packing swag? 
packing swag no zipper can contain. <laughs> he needed that cane to balance out his huge dong he was swinging around. Fucking also, badass. the cane was also fake, so I'm not... I couldn't tell. It was fine. His, it was a whole thing. He couldn't carry the lantern because he had the cane, so Chris had to carry the lantern. Poor Chris. We had a fellow tour goer get drafted in. I did, uh, earlier in the day, we saw him giving a tour and I could hear that he was speaking in a British accent and I was like, oh, I want that to be our tour guide. And then I heard another tour where they're like, oh yeah, there's ghosts up there. I don't know. And I was like, oh fuck, I hope that's not. And thankfully we had, exactly. I will take the like, look at this house over like, yeah, there's a fucking ghost in that window up there. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. He leaned in. He knew what everyone wanted. You're in Salem. He you want to, yes, right. it was the haunted footsteps tour. Hell yeah. It was after dark. Mm-hmm. Things. It said on the website, you had, did you have to be over 18? I don't think you did. I think he, because he you? asked that one girl, but it said like, we'll be talking about sex, darkness, <laughs> ghosts, and they talked about all those. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. we covered it. Yeah, yeah, we did. Well, Richardson agreed. I could feel the presence of many more spirits. Each had a specific purpose for being there. Many are there because Mr. Easby's home is full of priceless antiques, and they were staying close to possessions that were theirs. Judith Richardson uh, is a psychic medium that helped solve many crimes. And whenever, I guess, all the ghostly happenings started happening in the house, Easby was called her up and said, hey, will you come do a seance? And allegedly, she crossed the threshold and... I'm paraphrasing, but said, holy shit, there's so many ghosts here. I cannot do this in one seance, which is either very true or an amazing grift to be like, it's too much to do in one meeting. We have to do it in more meetings. What a business plan. But I will say, what kind of a charity function are you having if you don't have singing, dancing, and And seances? seances? Like, come on. I'm not donating. And he couldn't conduct a seance, so he had to have somebody to do it with him. And it gave folks quite a time. It was kind of the who's who. There would be these articles that were like, this weekend at the Bailaroy, the bachelor George Easby hosted a crew who got spooked. And then it's, I mean, it was like you wanted to get on the VIP There's list for this party. ectoplasm everywhere. <laughs> I'm convinced the ectoplasm was something else. It was, uh, they described it as like vaporous smoke. And I'm like, are you guys getting high in there? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I can uh, find myself in thought loops over and over again, and what I have learned really helps is sending a message to my therapist, and most of the time I'm responding to a recently very thoughtful message from my therapist who sends me just encouragement, and it helps kind of break the loop when I can look in and see, yeah, there's somebody who's thinking about me. I love that. That's so awesome. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when you're faced with a challenge in life, but when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist like mine can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I struggle with perfectionism and have mentioned it, and my therapist not only gives me uh, coping strategies, but also has given me a book to read, which is very interesting, about overcoming that. And it's great to have a resource I can do on my own time and then come back and discuss with her or send her messages about it. It definitely helps me uh, take a lot of pressure off of myself that I put on. There you go. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. 
Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sinister today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Sinister. Seances were conducted in the Blue Room. Designed based on drawings from Thomas Jefferson's collection, the Blue Room was a perfect model of an 18th century drawing room. Inside the room sat an ornate wingback chair covered in light blue floral fabric with a stuffed seat known as the Chair of Death. We all want one of these in our house, don't we? The chair's rumored to have been once owned by Napoleon. The French military leader was said to have had the chair made by an evil warlock, according to the Liberty Line. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, we all thought we knew everything about Napoleon. Nay, nay. Uh-uh. He knew an evil warlock, and he had furniture designed by him. Not, yeah, not just any evil warlock, one that had the skills and capacity to build a chair, a wingback chair. With it's a very nice chair. It doesn't, you wouldn't look at this and say, oh, this looks like a warlock made it. It looks like no. you would get it at Pottery Barn. It looks like a nice, nice chair. You know, that's a good warlock, though, because he hit it. So you mm. don't want something that's got spikes in it or something crazy. No. You that's, want a too nice, on the nose. It's got to be inviting. Yeah. Just inviting enough that someone might go, oh. Again, Should I? You're going to have to disclose that on your homeowner's insurance rider. There's no way. <laughs> You've already got the fountain you're dealing with. Yes. Several other things. Well, according to George, four different people who sat in the chair died unexpected deaths shortly thereafter. Eventually, George banned anyone from sitting in it. Before the ban, George's housekeeper, his cousin, also named George, and his best friend Paul unfortunately sat in the death chair. That's what people called it, which, I mean, you kind of want to go to the guy's charity function that has seances in a death chair. Yeah, I would. that's like absolutely, I we'll would wait a write line. a check for that. Yes, whatever. I don't even care what the charity is. Does not matter. I also, I mean, the problem with the house, because there's 100,000 things in it, the blue room was a pretty set room, but there was 33 rooms, and there. Mm-hmm. he said some rooms were literally just full of stuff. Like, they would open the door, and it wasn't set up like a nice bedroom. It was just stacks Storage and boxes room, and desks and stuff pushed against the wall. But of, So it would be one thing if it was like, oh, we took the death chair chair out and we hid it in an upstairs bedroom and a housekeeper was dusting and thought man my back hurts I'm going to take his load off and sat down. The The death chair stayed in the blue room mm-hmm. and it was well marked. I mean I don't think there was a plaque hanging on it. Maybe they should have had a plaque. You should put like uh, maybe some caution tape over it. <laughs> Police something. tape. Yeah. Something. Made it less inviting. Oh it did say that um, George draped a silk cloth over the armrest to make it less inviting. I don't know how that makes it less inviting. <laughs> He's like, no one. But wants I'm not to a see. rich, posh man, so I don't. I don't know. Perhaps he knew something I didn't. He was like, no one would put their elbow on silk. No. Like, I, I think this I would. color does not coordinate with the chair. Surely everyone will know this is not the chair to sit in. I just noticed your earrings. Are those new? They're little ghosts. Uh, a listener gave them to us in Boston. Super cute. Yeah, they're little ghosties. They have red eyes. I don't know. Oh, I just, they do. They have red eyes. I think so. Nice. Yeah. Or, uh, or I'm just seeing things up or here. Could be I either. I'm cursed. Speaking of red eyes, guys. Baby. 
Baby is here. Uh, baby and the girls. Baby's kind of falling down. But yeah, you can see uh, we're going to do some. After every tour leg, Baby gets um, much needed repairs. So he we'll gets stuffed down in Leanne's purse and thrown through security sometimes. So Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun when they're like, oh, okay. Oh, Traveling whoa. With this. It just this? comes through on the x-ray like, ee. <laughs> <laughs> Those big ass eyes on an x-ray. That's haunting. Yeah. <laughs> I w- I'm going to try and get a sneak peek behind the TSA next time when we fly back, see what they see. According to America's Most Haunted, the chair's victims didn't sit down by their own volition. They were supposedly lured there by a female ghost who George and psychic Judith Richardson identified as Amanda or Amelia. George called her a loose cannon. I don't love Amanda slash Amelia because of what happens, but I do think I would be described as a loose cannon in the afterlife. Yes. So and that part I can relate to. I love that, yeah. He, and also, he had a way with words because she lured people to their deaths, and he's like, she was quite a loose cannon, <laughs> let me tell you. Yes, including his best friend, and he still was being very gentlemanly the way he spoke about her. She lured people to sit in a chair with silk draped on the arm. (laughs) Known as the only malevolent spirit in the house, George warned those that visited to not fall victim to her spell. Sadly, his best friend Paul was unable to resist her powers. During one of Judith's visits, Paul told the psychic that he saw a blue mist hanging near the stairway near the drawing room. Later that night, Paul called Judith with even more alarming news. On his way home that evening, he saw the ghost of Amanda in the back seat of his car. Over the next few weeks, Amanda began to torment Paul, waking him at all hours of the night by squeezing his arms. When he awoke, the evil spirit would be floating over him, according to Philly Ghost. Paul began to fall ill until his body finally gave out. Four weeks after sitting in the chair in the blue room, he was found there once again. This time, slumped over in the death chair, unmoving. And a few weeks before that, Judith had done a psychic reading for George. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, tell my future. And she's like, your worst nightmare is going to come true. And he thought that meant that the house was going to burn down. Because he kept, he kept saying, even if we insure the place for every single penny, when, if it burned down, it would be such a huge loss because you have all these original artifacts. Mm-hmm. So he was constantly like making sure everything was turned off, having the electrical checked. And so she told him, in like four weeks' time or in one month's time, your worst nightmare ever will come true. And that's when his best friend died. And so he told her later, and she told him it wasn't a fire. Because he goes, it's a fire, isn't it? And she's like, it's not a fire. I I don't know what it is, but I see you in great pain. Mm. And that's what she saw. George worked with Judith in identifying the spirits around the house. There was an older woman who wore all black and hovered in a corner on the second floor holding a cane. Then Thomas Jefferson's ghost was seen lingering near the grandfather clock in the dining room on other occasions. He just popped in to say hi. hi. What's, he, what's old Tommy Jeff doing? He's like, I stopped at Duncan. <laughs> I wanted to come by and say hi. Mm-hmm. I was in the neighborhood. Need to pal around. Well, when his thing, some of his things were there, and like yeah. we talked about, uh, I don't think it's come out yet. But when we did our Nashville show, 
the Grand Ole Opry, they've got all the people's shit there, so yes. that's why they come back. And the same with the the Mordecai house in Raleigh, mm-hmm. which we also covered. They restored this house to exactly how it was when these people from the 1800s lived there, and then the ghosts just, like, climbed into bed. And I'm like, yeah, I bet they did. They're like, their bed. <laughs> wow. They, they're, con- they're like, I thought I died, but maybe I didn't. All my stuff's still here. Right? Some spirits couldn't be identified at all like the ones responsible for the tapping, knocking, and banging around the house. Same goes for the ghouls doing the redecorating. In addition to random furnishings that fall down, one painting was thrown clear across a room when no one was standing near it. George inspected the wall to see if it was a faulty hanging job, but no, both the nail and the hanging wire remained intact. Yeah, so instead of it ripping off, it was lifted off and whipped that, you, that doesn't make whip. sense. Physics defies that. Not if you're a ghost. That's what I'm saying. The only logical explanation is it had to have had hands to God. get it off that little thing and then whip it across. I can't with ghost hands. We mm-hmm. always talk about that. Ghost hands. If it has hands, it can grab, but I don't want it. I don't like it. George's mom's ghost was a great help. He told interviewers she had steered him away from bad business deals and unscrupulous folks looking to take advantage of George. She also proved helpful in navigating the house. A stack of important papers that assisted George in managing his inheritance was lost, locked away in a desk hidden in a room somewhere. The ghost of George's mom helped lead him to the desk and to the vital paperwork inside. Yes, she initially appeared to uh, Judith in one of the seances and was saying, Longfellow, Longfellow, Longfellow. And he, George had That's remembered... That's ectoplasm comes in. There you go. Got a long fellow in the house. Hey. All of a sudden, ectoplasm's all over the Professor place. Professor Waitley walks in. Did someone call for a long fellow? No, but <laughs> George's mom loved Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and he remembered her favorite poem. So he went and got her book of poetry off the shelf, flipped to the page of her favorite poem, love when old rich people do weird cryptic mysteries for their family. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, it's in the safe deposit box at the bank, it's like, check the Longfellow book, you'll know what page. <laughs> so she op- he opens the page to her favorite poem, The Children's Garden, I think, and there's an envelope with his name on it, but it's empty. And then Blue I think... Blue one. Dude, now the ghost is like, son of a... Like, who took it? <laughs> so in another seance, she, that's whenever she gave the directions to this desk, and it was a paper that the... Her ancestors had lent, I want to say, $5 million to the U.S. government, like, in 1870 to mm. build this area of Florida, or, like, develop this area of Florida, and never paid it. Like, the government welched on the deal and didn't pay. That the, doesn't sound like the government. Shocking. <laughs> they made a what? promise that they didn't keep. You think they'd do that? And so that's what happened. And so he fought for a couple years, really trying. He's like, you owe me $5 million plus interest from 1870 to 19. So I need 100 years of interest. Hell It'll yeah. shock you. It'll shock you to believe that they fought him until he ran out of time and like energy and was like, yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. He gave Shocking. up. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. They were like not paying on the deal. They'll let him though. die before they'll pay that back. Yeah. How much was his inheritance? Well, the house itself and the furnishings in the mid-1970s, they say that he, it was worth about $8 million. Back then? Yes, back okay. then. So multiply that times, you know, you, A lot. you do the math, yeah. I say, because I'm not going to pull up the, the um, calculator. But on top of that, it would have been, that would have been an additional $5 million plus interest on top of all that. So I think maybe he thought, well, I'm happy with what I have mm-hmm. and, and wanted to focus on the ghost hunting that he was doing. <laughs> 
When George was in bed late one night, he told the inquirer that a pink haze formed above his bed. The haze eventually took the form of a monk in a very specific beige robe who approached the bed and said, Now, Mr. Easby. George chalked it up to another ghoulish visitor. Until a year later, he visited his family's ancestral abbey in England. He was told that the monks there were the only ones to wear beige. You have an ancestral abbey. <laughs> you might be a wealthy uh, Englishman. You might be a wealthy Englishman. <laughs> if you got an ancestral abbey, you can go and visit. <laughs> if you got a death chair yes. owned by Napoleon, <laughs> if Thomas constructed Jefferson... by a warlock from the 17th century, you might be a wealthy Englishman. <laughs> we need to, for many reasons, we need to get on the phone with Jeff Foxworthy. But for a lot just of reasons. Every them, time I see for several others too. at a club, man. I... We've performed, we always take a picture whenever he has performed in yes. a place where we take a picture next to his headshot. <laughs> and then one day we'll show those to him and he'll be like, girls, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, been nice meeting you. <laughs> it right. was real nice. You might be a stalker if every place you go to, you take a picture with me. Well, not all the visitors were as delightful as his mother or the monk. One night while sleeping, George awoke to the feeling that a person was sitting on the side of his bed. Before he could switch on the light, a hand was around his throat, choking him. He continued choking until he managed to flip the switch with his one free arm. In the bright light of the illuminated room, George found he was alone. When he looked in the morning, his arm was covered in bruises. Not only do they have hands, but they're doing mean things with them. Dude. I don't mind if a ghost has hands and, like, puts away my dishes. Yeah. Folds my laundry. Things nice like that. Neck rub, shoulder yeah. rub. Oh, I would love that. head massage. I'd be into that. Yeah, I don't want a ghost with a butt, because if it sat on the bed and left an impression, it's got a ghost butt. And that means it's got a ghost form, and that means it can do stuff like choke you and bruise your arm. So, but mount, it's got to have a ghost form to give you your ghost massages. Oh, so double-edged sword. It is. I'm. I'll. I'll take my chances. If it means I got massages at my disposal, yeah. I'll take a. I'll take my chances. Thomas Jefferson, get over here. <laughs> When visitors to his house would see ghostly figures, George ruled out something like the power of suggestion, telling the Daily News. We've had four or five people seeing the same thing at the same second, so it can't really be that. George's neighbor, Helen Moak, was one of these people. While taking a photo of a tree in the mansion's front yard, she saw through the viewfinder just that, a plain tree standing alone. When she developed the film... She got a photo of a tree, but standing beside it was a clearly defined cloud in the shape of a man. Maybe that was his dad. He just liked to hang out outside. <laughs> Where he had elbow room. That's he's right. going to be knocking stuff over if he's outside. Room yeah. to move. There's also, a lot you... of hazes, mist, a lot, of, hazes a lot mist. of things like that going on in this house. And clouds, but the neighbors just, you got to break the, not break the news to him, but explain like, so I was out taking a picture of your tree. For personal reasons. <laughs> I don't want to get into yada, that. What yada, I want to get yeah. into. There is a man figure next to it. He's like, let's go back to the photo, Helen. What is the photo for? All of the, uh, I mean, I don't know if all of the houses over there are original, but they're 
fairly close together. So mm-hmm. I think you could just be standing in your front yard take a picture of your neighbor's tree. He, um, uh, his parents, ne- I mean, they would let people in to, if they were historians, they need to take photos or a couple of visits, you know, they would entertain guests and visitors. But when he took over, he turned it into, it wasn't like a party mansion, but it was a place where they would have these society events. And he and Paul would get into some wacky shenanigans and especially with the fountain and things in the yard. And one time he and Paul decided they need to clean the fountain and they should put a bunch of detergent in it and as you can imagine when the fountain turned on there was just there was just foam everywhere he's like it's a foam party now you Um, make and then they also lemons they had all these torches out front for another event it was i think it was like the a Rotary Club event or something and they anyway they had all these torches and the neighbors were a little bit irritated with them and then later very irritated because the torches bonked into each other and caused an explosion Uh-oh. and the neighbors were like do you have cannons over there and like he did but that wasn't but the that cannon wasn't it, yeah so like, no yeah in that house though you just be like you hear a noise and you're like that's Easby guy <laughs> would 100% watch a like a sitcom about this guy in his life he's so cool he and needed also, a reality show before yeah. they existed he Paul needed a, a reality show, just the two of them getting up to things. Yeah, because Paul would like curate the items for him and tell him like move these here and catalog them and things like that. So they got on very well, and I think that's uh, just the two of them in the foamy fountain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Other instances included the sounds of rapping or knocking coming from inside chests or from inside walls, as well as the noise of peeping people moving about when the house was empty. George told the Inquirer. We hear people walking about, going up and down the stairs. We also hear a child crying. Judith Richardson, the medium, has been very remarkable in what all she's found here. Perhaps the child was his brother. Could have been. That's one of the things that the nurse said she heard in his room was a a lot of crying, Mm -hmm. even when it was empty. Some visitors were interested in more than ghosts. In 1975, George briefly met a man, John Twinstra, in a restaurant in Center City. George invited Twinstra to the mansion, where he turned on the homeowner, holding him hostage for 14 hours. Throughout the time, George remained calm, sipping his favorite beverage of champagne, while the man threatened to strangle George with a towel. This is the definition of, I can't be bothered. Like, you're just like, mm, get go on about with your it. business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a said- towel, please. He, uh, I mean, he was well-known. He, Like I said, he hosted these society functions. And this, it was well-known that not only was there a big-ass house, but that it was filled with very, very expensive things. Mm-hmm. And Twinstrom mentioned, well, I saw in the newspaper you have a really expensive watch collection. Like, I'm going to get a hold of your watches. I'm going to kick your teeth in if you don't tell me where they're at. And George was like, mm, indeed. George should have said... You look tired. Perhaps you'd like to sit in this chair right over here. (laughs) That's it. That's That's what you do. You had a built-in safety system. Mm -hmm. That's your security system. Let's discuss this in the blue room. Oh, the parent? Don't mind, Toby. Just, it's telling you to go sit in in the chair over there. As the bandit chugged down a fifth and a half of scotch. It was nice scotch. George convinced him to leave with $60 from his wallet and a check made out to the robber's name for $2,500. After he left, George alerted the police. The next day, when the man tried cashing the check, police swarmed and arrested him. Yeah. 
<laughs> Plus, like... you got a hangover. That's a bad day for that dude. <laughs> yeah, you have to come down from your fifth and a half of vodka mm-hmm. of scotch in a in a jail. Trying to rob a bank. Yeah, no. you're super hungover. He only got sixty dollars. And I like that the check was only for two thousand five hundred. I know. I want to know how they came to that amount. <laughs> Not like a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, ten thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, even something. It's like I'll give you twenty five hundred bucks if you leave right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sinister Hood will be right back. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even mattresses just made for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side like I do. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, you gotta love the enhanced cooling features that keeps you from overheating at night and waking up in a pool of your own sweat, which I have done many times before the Helix. Yeah, that was uh, that is a nightmare of my past mm-hmm. because of the Helix. We've both taken the Helix sleep quiz. I was matched with a Moonlight Luxe mattress because I am a all all around kind of sleeper. I sometimes do my stomach, sometimes do my back, and it provides me support in any position. I got the Sunset Luxe because I primarily sleep on my side, and because. Tommy's all over the place in his sleep. It helps minimize motion transfer, so we both get a more restful sleep. Not only is this mattress legitimately the best one I have ever slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box and straight to your door for free. They also offer a 100-night risk-free trial to try out your new mattress. See how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return for a full refund. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash creepy. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Throughout the years, George was more than open about the ghastly ongoings in the house. When asked by the Philadelphia Inquirer whether there were ghosts, he replied, Oh yes, several. He told People Magazine, It's a real adventure living in this house. Part of the adventure, George told the reporter, was seeing psychic apparitions, as well as capturing ectoplasmic presences on camera during seances. It's a real adventure living in this house is the tagline for Paul and George's reality yes! show. Mm-hmm. It's like love it or list it, but it's with the antiques in the house and they have mm-hmm. to decide if they're going to keep it. It's like antiques roadshow meets HGTV <laughs> meets hoarders because oh they gosh. make you go There's through all your it. shit. They do have to go through it all. Mm-hmm. He had all the ghostly photos inspected by DuPont and Eastman Kodak who confirmed the pictures had not been retouched in any way. Writer Alan Jaffe saw the photos for himself. One showed a gaseous shape that points toward a family coat of arms in the reception room. Another was a pair of bright eyes that scurry like a small animal across the floor of the blue room. A third showed a dark human form with a definite feminine contour (laughs) posing in front of a garden shrub. And next, and then there was some ectoplasm just (laughs) on the floor next to that one. It was weird. I don't know. He's like, I stared at that one for a minute. (laughs) 
I don't like the uh, the I don't like things that scurry. Mm-mm. First of all, anything that scurries, it seems unnatural. No, 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 it's no. Either crawl or slither. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Make I a choice. Crawl, slither, walk, or nothing. <laughs> you can't. Scurrying's like a combo of all those three. I don't like it. Mm-mm. And it impairs a, uh, It implies a sound. You know, it's like... Yeah, I don't like that either. Yes. That's not the only strange picture. A portrait of Elizabeth Polkney, an 18th century poet and long-lost cousin of George... Hung in the manor. He told reporters for the Daily News, People say they can see her expressions change. Oh, what a judgment portrait. Yeah. People come in your house and they say something, the portrait's like, hmm. Or like, oh. I want a portrait of myself that does this. (laughs) That's right. But I don't want to be dead. I want to still be alive (laughs) while this happens. I'm going to commission a portrait of myself. (laughs) It was a wonder George could get the cameras to work at all. He told the Daily News, I have problems with electronics all the time. I can never set my VCR. Same. What was I trying to do in the green room on my phone? Oh, your phone just started going, and like shaking when you were looking at the cheesesteak menu. And I was like, you were playing back that ass up. So I was like, maybe the phone is dancing. We, upstairs, there's um, very nice framed posters from people that have played on this stage. And we'll have you know, we are on the same stage as the ones, he's not late because he's still alive, but he's great. Bubba Sparks played (laughs) on this very stage, I'll have you know. So that uh, prompted us to not only listen to Miss New Booty, but also dissect the lyrics. Yeah. uh, Which... Heather goes, this is just a negging song. I was like, yeah. Yeah, he was like, go to the club, get tan, maybe work out, then I'll call you. I was like, this is what I look like, man. Take it or love it or list it, The age of my booty notwithstanding, new, old, Mm. and different. It doesn't matter. This is what you get. I ain't going to the player's club. I'm not going to put a tan on nothing. Nobody wants to tan their ass. (laughs) That burns. If you've been in a tanning bed... I don't think you're supposed Ass to put... Ass is the worst part of it. Can you put your naked meat cheeks up against the tanning bed bottom? I did it for five years straight, Ooh. so yes, you can. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Should I put a towel under it? Yes, and sometimes I did, but other times I did not. They spray it down afterwards. Actually, you spray it down yourself, so... I'm thinking about the inside of a tanning bed. Oh, yeah, don't, don't. You shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. Oh. You've never been in a tanning bed? No, I've gotten sprayed standing yeah. up, but I've never laid. It's not going to do anything. I'm just going to burn. I'm going to look like the little That's what I, thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I was real stupid. I did it for a long time, and nothing ever changed except I got real red, and I was yeah. like, I'm committed, though. I'm committed <laughs> to possibly skin cancer just for the sake I just gotta of keep going. wanting to look better in shorts, and then one day I said, fuck it all. Yeah. And I tried to cancel my subscription, and the woman got real assy with me. She was like, do you want to be pale forever? And You're like, like, yeah, fine. yeah, I do. And I'm also going to live longer than you, so. Damn. Uh, she was too tan. Oh, yeah. Too tan. I imagine tan. if you, it's free, you know? like I, She did it all with spray tan, so. Oh, she was, but it's still free. Yeah, no, for or sure. De- heavily discounted. Probably, probably free. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I went on a bunch of boat rides when I worked at the boat company. You just have to be careful where you work. What you, the fringe benefits can be detrimental. Yes. Like yeah. a friend of mine worked at a Midwestern sandwich chain that I won't name. And a lot of people there ended up having to get their gallbladders out. And she also said, 
like they everyone ate really thick beef sandwiches all the time. And she was like, I just kind of tried to do the math. And they were like, yeah, it's all the sandwiches we eat. It's like, fuck. Ooh. Yeah, as a My person, first like, job was at a sandwich place. Well, there you did go. Did not get them free. Did get a discount. Midwestern sandwich chain. Do I know the name of this? Probably not. It's in Chicago. It's famous. Hot dogs. There it is. You called it a sandwich chain. Yeah, they have a uh, big beef sandwiches. Okay. Hot dogs. I was Great. just wondering if you were calling a hot dog a sandwich because oh, no. I didn't want to get into this right no, now. No, I did not. Did not want to get not. into this right now. We're on the same page about that, though. So, yeah, yeah we're good. Well, not so coincidentally, the reporter interviewing George for that story had a malfunction on his digital wristwatch during his tour of the mansion. Electronics weren't the only thing that went haywire in the house. According to George, any plants that he brought into the mansion died. Damn. I may be haunted. Yeah. Based on this paragraph, because I definitely have a problem with electronics cannot keep any plant alive we are hanging on by a thread with this one in the front window it's not looking good though guys oh, <laughs> i gotta gonna be honest it. i had to throw out all of our succulents not too long ago <laughs> i'll have you know that succulents are much harder to take care of than everyone says they are i just bought thank a you for the applause <laughs> oh no I, I had, my mom bought me a fern when i first moved into my new house like, I was going to take care of that or look at it or I don't know. What do you do with a fern? It was a housewarming plant. I mean, all right. And uh, she repossessed the fern because she said... She has it back now? Yeah, she took it. She goes, you're not, you're not going to take care of this. You're going to kill this. And she was right. That fern is thriving. It is flourishing. Oh, good for that. You do have plastic succulents in your house, so that makes sense. I do. I have uh, plastic succulents. I have a plastic uh, lily. You, or no, orchid. Oh, Very yeah, I have one of those too. Plastic orchid. I just dusted. I was like, this same. brings me joy. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't need a real orchid. It's fine. I got the same. George was never shy with cameras or interviewers. He would invite folks in for private tours or journalists to witness his seances. Writer Alan Jaffe came to the mansion as a skeptic, but left as a believer after he saw a lavender color mist take shape near the infamous blue room. You know what probably makes lavender? Blue and white. It doesn't, but I Red? thought that might be funny. It wasn't, though, so that's okay. <laughs> the Hayes came together to form the perfect head and shoulders of a woman. Jaffe wrote in the Philadelphia Inquirer that he stared at the misty figure alongside George for several minutes until they flipped on the light and it disappeared. Yeah, that's and there was so ectoplasm all over the floor. All over the floor. I don't know place. why in my head it's on the floor as if it floats pants in the air. are down. It looks like this behind you, actually. Jizz? Yeah, no, no, the ectoplasm. I'm talking about jizz, Heather. Oh, no, I'm, I've, I'm familiar with semen. My joke this whole time has been jizz. Oh. Did you know that? Yeah, but the pictures of the ectoplasm, it's... If your jizz looks like this, you've got your thumb over the hole. That's what I'm saying. And it's going like a It's like a hose. water hose. Yeah, it's a, it's a wait, mist wait, wait. that coats the room. What so. did we look up also upstairs? That we, it was a salt shaker. Yes, different terms what it means. Shake it like a salt shaker. And sometimes that means that it's, it goes wrong. It comes out wrong. As if you're shaking a salt shaker. And some of the things online were like, my boyfriend had the salt shaker problem last night, and it 
and it hit me in the face. I've never heard that. Yeah. Never heard that before, but Urban Dictionary provides. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's like, babe, I can't help it. I have salt shaker syndrome. George dreamt that someday the mansion would become a foundation for scholarly research and the preservation of his items. However, his dream would not come true. On December 11th, 2005, George died of multiple organ failure at the age of 87. He was survived by several distant cousins and a companion, Robert Roygenian. After his death, his prized collection of antiquities was sold off. Some were given to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, while others were loaned to the State Department. The mansion itself was sold to private owners and closed to the public. I think this makes me the most bummed of all because he really, really, really loved this house and was really proud of the history that he had in it. And repeatedly he would say, well, my neighbors don't really want it to become a museum because they're going to think it's like a Disneyland situation with tour buses, but I don't want that. I want it to be a research institute. And I don't know if something went awry with estate planning or what happened, or he just didn't get around to making the foundation. Because, yeah, I mean, it's um, the family that lives there, I'm sure, is very happy. We didn't hear any overt screams when we were staring into their window today. Um, Seems like a lovely, quiet street. But just to know that somebody's whole passion, I mean, this was like his whole life, pretty much, when he was, you know, 50, whenever he took over. That was majority of his, like, joyful years. And it just kind of fizzled out. It, like, makes me sad. I wonder what the Cousins' deals was. Maybe they got a lot of money for it. But it's nice that a lot of it lives on in an art museum so others can enjoy it. Yeah, more people can see it for sure. I just gotta say, y'all's art museum, we didn't see the inside, but the outside is gorgeous. So if the inside, if the outside's indicative of what's on the inside, you got a good museum. Well, I, I was sh- telling, I told Paris, I go, that, the, the landscape, like it's as if someone from above would like planted all these buildings and were like, they all match, it's all like, the colors are real good. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. But, like, there's, like, a theme of, like, that patina green throughout the city, and there's, like, little just splashes of it here and there. It's, mm-hmm. it's arranged very pleasing to the eye. I agree, yeah. it's a be- I love how it's how a lot of the fountains are, like, yeah. in a roundabout and the rocky stairs. I go, they got a lot of statues, and they're all well-maintained. Yeah, nothing's crumbling. crumbling. No, none's like, falling everything off. looks like y'all just are good to it. Except uh, where there is a cobblestone street in front of our hotel. And Heather's like, you think they should just pave over this? And I was like, well, they're probably trying to be. That's why you salt shake. We were you're going salt over shaker. the cobblestone you drive street, over it. Nice. Salt shake all over the driver. It looked like we were in a fucking scene from it Jurassic was Park. It was like. It was so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I go, is this like so that the horse and carriages. So it's like friction for their hooves and Leanne was like I saw two cut carriage rides before 9 a.m. I was like who's riding carriages at breakfast a lot of people Philadelphia baby that's how you do it that's how you do it Philadelphia style mm-hmm. don't take an uber take a horse and buggy to <laughs> <laughs> the Duncan yeah it's yeah. um I, the museum I like that we I referenced actually in our Boston show because someone had wet specimens in their house uh-huh. mutter museum Shout out! Is that here? Oh, fuck yeah, it is. Oh, I didn't know that was here. I, I wish we it. had more time to see it. Oh, man. Uh, it's you do. You have talked about that. Many times. Mm-hmm. Well, we did get the sandwich at least. Oh, so. yeah, we got my Schmitter. And I got a t-shirt with a Schmitter on the back. We did. It says the Mary uh, ingredients and how, how it goes. Got to say, our waitress may be here tonight. Probably Mary not. Mary Louise, if you're here, scream. 
No. No. I don't think you were. You don't sound sound like Mary Mary Louise. But she she was awesome, and she's like, what are y'all doing? We're like, we're doing a comedy show. I'm going to a comedy show tonight with my sister. I don't know what it is. And I was like, you might be coming to ours. Yeah. So that's cool. She said, she told me the name of it. And I said, what's that? And she said, comedy. And I went, oh. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Maybe it's us. They were so nice there, though. They were great. Every, I mean, like, so nice. every, that's why I also love Philadelphia. And I noticed it. It seems like a familiarity where, like, I don't know you, but they talk to me like I know them. And it's very, it's like a natural rapport and friendliness. And that's how it was. Like, we were, Leanne had her neck craned and was looking at something. And the server's like, were you looking at the artwork on the wall? Let me tell you about that. And we're like, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, we were. And just, it, you could have just bustled by and been, like, irritated. You know, sometimes you're, like, on a lunch rush. But she, like, took the time. It was great. And was it here? Like in New York that somebody asked you the date. That was in oh, New York. Oh, it was in New York, yeah. I was just sitting at a coffee shop, and she's like, what day is it? And I said, oh, it's the uh, 15th. And she goes, oh, I thought it was the 12th. And I was like, okay. I was like, I feel it's you. Not- I've been there. I had to check my watch to see the date. I don't know what day it was. You're three days late. Yeah. In 2012, Chestnut Hill natives Jay and Susie Valinas moved into the mansion with their two sons. Jay told WHYY, Certain things happen and you start to wonder. Your mind plays tricks on you, but we really haven't had any major supernatural experiences. A specific incident sprung to Susie's mind when asked. She told reporters a tale of frightened house guests, saying, We were sitting around the fire last winter with two very close friends of ours. Suddenly, at the exact same time, both of them turned their heads and sharply gasped. Go check the kids! They screamed. Both of them had seen a young boy pass through the hallway outside the living room. When I checked the boys, both were sound asleep. As much as we tried, we could not recreate an explanation as to what they had seen. And they had actually never heard the story of the young boy's ghost. I would love to know how they tried to recreate this like, for the rest of the evening. They're like, you want to solve it? I'll wait. Turn the lights down lower. <laughs> Where was the moon at? We have, to, we have to account for the moonlight. Maybe it was Steven and he saw two other young boys and wanted a little friend. Wanted to play, yeah. Yeah. The couple completed renovations on the home to return it to some of its original glory. They both said if there were any presents, it was decidedly calm and happy. They did take precautions on moving in, having been familiar with the house's history. We're Catholic. Just for good measure, you have it blessed when you move in, even if it's not a haunted house. But we did tell the priest to take his time. Not just one room. And you're like, and be sure to spend some time on that chair. Don't be shy with the holy water over there by that chair. He's like, I'm going to need a lot more holy water. There's 33 rooms and three (laughs) floors. She's like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, Yeah, we need to do every one. Every single one. Uh, Where's the chair? Do we know where the chair is? I kept finding all of these like spooky. um, Zach Bagans have it in his museum. I bet he does. He wishes. He wishes he had that Napoleon chair. Uh, yeah, people had done, like, spooky write-ups and things about it, but from what I've read so far, it says that it was one of the pieces that was either sold off or lent. So I, I don't oh. know that there was ever a publicly available list of all of the 100,000 artifacts and where exactly they all went. And frankly, sadly, I don't know that they kept much track right. of that. I mm-hmm. think it was in an estate-settling situation. A friend of mine, that was her job. She got to go into, like, ultra, ultra, like, people that had like 10 million dollars and more and her job was to like clean all their stuff out after they died because they were the bank and the trustee and you i mean you do kind of keep a a ledger of it and everything but you don't like publish it anywhere but yeah she got the coolest thing she she, saw she said she found a vhs tape 
and it just said JFK on it. What? And she was like, oh, I can't take this. And I was like, did but you But you can it? watch it. No, she said they didn't have a VCR in the house. You go get a VCR. A little... You leave, get a VCR, come back, you watch that. You got to call it in and be like, this house is going to take a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. She says, or yeah. you just take a big bag and you just slide <laughs> it on in there. No, she said it went off to the, with the families all wanted the boxes of the stuff. Like, I well, bet they did. They wanted to yeah. hide the secrets. Mm-hmm. JFK. The Bailroy may no longer be the hall of antiquities it once was. If it was the items they were attached to, many of the spirits may have left the hallowed halls after George's death. It still stands as a legendary piece of architecture with a history chock full of unbelievable stories. Whether it was the prized possessions of ancient politicians and generals or their restless spirits, the Bailroy has played host to some of Philadelphia's elite including us who stood on the sidewalk. <laughs> Just saying. We didn't even get in the front yard. Yeah, people <laughs> live there. We, I was like, I read a blog where somebody was like, I just went up and rang the doorbell, and the guy said, come on in. We're like, should we do it? But we didn't have time. Mm-mm. We had to get to the Schmitter sandwich. I picked a sandwich over it. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not sorry. Susie, if you're listening, we'd love to come back and have a tour. Yeah, Jay and Susie, we would love to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, it did look like no one was home, I will say. Like, there weren't... There wasn't bustling in the house or cars in the driveway that we could see. didn't see a little boy's figure in the I upstairs looked, window? I looked up in the upstairs window and tried to see if I could see anything, but it looked, uh, all the lights were off, mm. so it looked like it was dark. But it is interesting because it's an uphill driveway, and so their front yard is maybe 10 feet up mm-hmm. with, like, bricks all around it. So you'd really, you'd have to scale a wall and or walk up their drive and walk into the front of their house. So It's um, a lot. We try yeah. to be respectful of people that live. Uh, you know, it's also kind of a swanky neighborhood, and I felt like, you know, they probably got a neighborhood watch going on. <laughs> there were cameras. I was like, there are cameras <laughs> yes. right there. So They saw us. They saw we were mm-hmm. there. <laughs> well, so what do we think? I think that uh, both George and Judith were on it with stuff being attached to the objects because mm-hmm. they didn't just have, like, a pen. It was like... This was Thomas Jefferson's prize tea set. You know, they had things that were meaningful and like a letter from, not that Ben Franklin's ghost was there, but you know, a letter from Ben Franklin Could to his have mom. Been. Or, yeah, or like his, uh, the, the little brother, I think that would be a really traumatic and frightening way to go. And so, yeah, you would want to stay with where your family mm-hmm. was. And it sounded like he, he and his mother had a good relationship, although she was a very prim and reserved woman. She always supported him. And so wanting him to be successful because also that meant the house would continue to be mm-hmm. successful. So it's an interesting study in like, do your possessions own you? Because it, it literally became his entire life after his parents died. He was more working more with the State Department and it was like, okay, well, the basically the servants in the house and the, the staff were like, oh, well, your dad used to do all this stuff. Now you have to do it. And he's like, this takes me like 40, 50 hours hours a week they're like yeah yeah it's your job now so or you sell it all off (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it kind of you're born into it and I'm sure it was not too shabby being drinking champagne and driving Rolls Royces all the time but it does honestly become who you are as Mm -hmm. a person and so he seemed to love it though every single photo of him he's um he loves to like lean on like a nice like fancy carved wooden piece of furniture there's a real wacky photo of him from people magazine holding a skull and his hair is standing on end and he's like yelling Ah! at the skull so i think he also 
I don't say, let a us, sense of humor. Yeah, I'll say don't shed a tear because he loved what he did. Mm-hmm. And he did have a background in theater and acting, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that helped bring the, he, he sold it. So it was a it, production. He, it was all a production. I don't think he like had fake ghosts going around the house or anything because there was too many people that worked there yeah. and he invited the public in all the time and reporters. But I think setting the mood, setting the stage, having a medium and a psychic that would he would always turn to and be like, we're going to do it in the room with the death chair mm-hmm. and like turning out the lights really low. He, he sold it and I think it gave people a thrill. It raised a bunch of money for Philly Charities and so I think it was kind of like a win-win-win. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad. Like I said, I'm just so bummed that it didn't get to turn into the foundation and the research. Well, that somebody's got that death chair. He wanted, yeah, they do. Just sitting in an empty room because nobody can contain it. Everybody that tries to own it dies. It's going to kick its way out. I, uh, I think that things can hold on to energy. So if you've got a ton of things in one well, location, stands to reason there's going to be for sure. some weird stuff going on there. Yeah, but I think, I think he really enjoyed it. And it was probably comforting to be around a lot of the things that like his loved ones really love, too. So it, it's like, you know, we both had uh, dads that have passed. And, like, you hold on to certain things mm-hmm. of them so you can continue to feel close to them. So if you've got, like a ton of stuff, you're never alone. That's Plus true. your mom and brother and maybe your dad who won't come <laughs> in the house. He's walking the front or, yard. Uh, or hanging out with you all the time. So yeah, I think, um, and I think the, his, his uh, friend later in life, they were probably, it's probably his companion. Yeah. Perhaps he, uh, more than that, you know? So yeah, I think he happy. was well loved and loved too. So yeah. Well, guys, that's our episode. But if you've been to a live show... Thank you so much. If you've been to a show or you've listened to them, you know that's not the end of our show. Uh, Round of applause if you are one of our beloved Patreon members. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. We sincerely appreciate the support. So you guys know about Judge Christie, but if you don't know about Judge Christie, I travel with a gavel. Travel, Travel gavel. Travel gavel. Travel gavel. This is a bit we do. Um, my jurisdiction is global. You cannot appeal my rulings. Heather is my bailiff. Yes. And my bestie. She's Hi. my bestie bailiff. And uh, we're going to ask you in a minute for a grievance. So someone will come around with a microphone. Only rule is no bummers. We don't want to. Mm-hmm. We don't want to bring the mood down. But a minor grievance, maybe with. Someone that's here, someone that's not, society. We'll, uh, we'll ask you questions if we need more info, but try and keep it short and sweet so we can get to as many as possible. Heather likes to get us started with a grievance of her own. Heather, what are you bringing before the court this evening? Your Honor, I would like to bring to you the case of me versus marketing emails based on holidays. I would love to hear this. I, as a person who, as we've just discussed, has a dead dad, don't want to get like, hey, why don't you get Uber Eats for your dad? I'm like, because he's not going to eat it because he's in a grave. So what the fuck? Or like, hey, Shutterfly is like, hey, do you want to print a canvas picture out for your dad? I'd like to do that, but I can't. So I get, uh, I still get remind birthday alarm reminders for my uh, dad's birthday. I'm like, well... Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? I don't think you age in the afterlife. No. But I don't know. Maybe. What He'd gets me, like though, is when it's targeted based on a holiday. So, like, Father's, Mother's Day. Day, Father's Day. 
And then Hall, like someone pointed out, who I, I believe it was Rachel Branky actually, who she, I'm not sure if her, she's a podcaster and a lawyer, and she's like a lawyer influencer. And she kind of pointed out, like, companies having Memorial Day sales. Well, that's not really what Memorial Day is about. It's more about, like, thanking the troops for their service Same and, like, like the people who've lost their life. Fourth of July. Or, like, Fourth of July. Or, But really, Memorial Day is a big sale day. Mother's Day is a big sale day. Father's Day is a big sale day. And, like, uh, there's a lot of, like, Labor Day, you know, get your mattresses and things mm-hmm. like that. Where, honestly, you're like, that's not what this is about. It's really about. So I think my grievance is... Could you just send me whatever fucking stupid marketing email you're going to send me, Uber Eats or Shutterfly or... I'm trying to remember. I got a couple of them. Whatever. You could send that to me without phrasing, couching it in the terms of like, great for dad, great for mom. So you want these people to know your history Or is what you're saying. I want them to offer me the option when I am logging into their email that I could tick boxes of what... Because it doesn't upset me, but I understand that it did upset me like the first Father's Day after I lost my dad. So now, I mean, I think it's funny. Not funny, but like I can like write it down in my notebook and like talk about it. No, but I think that for people who it maybe is still raw or maybe is still upsetting that we should have some sort of an opting system on marketing emails that lets us mark what holiday we don't need to be reminded about. Okay. So it's holiday specific. Thank you. This is a class action lawsuit on behalf of myself and similarly situated individuals. So you don't want to opt out of all marketing materials because perhaps you need some of them. I like a coupon now and then. That's fine. I want to opt out of everything ever. And yes. I can't figure it out. Unsubscribe. I, I will spend hours. Do y'all want to know how many emails oh, I have fuck. in my Gmail right yes. now? Prepare to gasp. Hold on one moment. I will spend hours trying to unsubscribe from stuff because I somehow get on at that. Don't look. I want you to guess. Does Gmail not offer at the top of mind? It'll be like, hey, you don't open these emails. Do you want to send? I do that. I do that. I do that every day. Doesn't matter. Okay. I'm looking. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. It's worse than I thought. (laughs) Holy shit. Wait, there's two numbers. I don't know which one's which. Is this unread? Okay. It says one to 50 of, and then there's a number, but then I also have the inbox. an inbox number. Go by the inbox on red, I would say, in the top left okay. on Gmail. Why don't you guess what you think this um, is? 11,802. <laughs> Please. Please. 24,911. Much closer. 24,704. Whoa. Damn it. I was so close. So many people's anxiety just spiked at the mere mention of that. Sick to the stomach. Being in my inbox. I'll have you know, the one through 50 of is 36,621. I don't know what that number is. I think Gmail tapped out. It oh, was I like, bet we you can't that, go above this. That includes messages that you have read. Those are only unread, and so that's all. So I have 24,704 unread messages yes. because they're all spam. Yeah, it's all junk. And I don't know how to get... Look at all this shit. None of this I need. Nope. None of this. Nope. This is all in my inbox. Well, you do need, you do need to check it. in for your flight for tomorrow. That is an important one. Oh, I do. Well, you usually do that I for know. me, a, so I don't need it. I don't flights. need to do that. We're on different flights I tomorrow. do need to redeem some American Express offers, so that's nice. But I don't need to know about my credit limit. That's from Experian. I got Thumbtack. How much does summer home projects cost? We did the math. Good for you. I don't have any. <laughs> if I need a project done, I'll contact you. 
Nope. They so, want to let you know. They're like, this Father's Day, we have <laughs> plumbers or what whatever. What would dad left for Father's Day? I'm like, probably to be alive. I don't know, right. but I can't ask him. Uh, it's okay. Our we dads think it's are funny. dead, yeah. so we can make fun of it. It's, a, a it's very how we cope. Terrible psychic that we saw in Salem told me that my father's always with me. So hi, Dad. He's right there in the back. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, she um, told me that Tommy's keeping something from me. Which is like the best scam to run as a psychic to be like, your husband has a secret, and you're like, what is it? And it's like, ask him. And you're like, fuck. You just sowed seeds of doubt in a marriage that was been together like, for years. Or, Come back next week, and I can tell you that's how they get you that's in. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's like Judith Richardson saying, "Too many ghosts for mm-hmm. one trip." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Find out what the secret is, and then come back." Well, I am all. F- I am in favor of being able to opt out of anything because I would like just. Here's what I want. I want a blanket form I can sign that's <laughs> global that I can opt out of everything. I will accept all cookies. <laughs> I know I'm going to be upcharged for avocado. (laughs) And uh, is there anything else that I... um, I never want brown rice. So if that's an option, take that (laughs) off. I never want that. Yeah, so uh, I would like to tailor everything to be personalized for me. Yes, same, same. That'd be great. I would love that. So I uh, (laughs) completely agree. You should not only be able to choose the holidays... But you can opt out just indefinitely of everything. Yeah, like for me, I'll sign it in blood. I don't care <laughs> if it means I don't have twenty four thousand emails, and I can't just go through and delete all of them because no. I'm worried. There's gonna there's, be the one in there, or that there's old emails that I want to keep. Yes, also that, like from my dad. That's why I don't just go through and delete everything. Yeah, you can't. You can the whole thing. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to filter through. No, it I is. agree. I don't like. I am. I don't mind getting emails or text messages. I just, I don't like to be handed things. So I get what you mean. Like when someone tries to flyer me, I just go, I don't like to be handed things. And then I put my hands up like Tony Stark and <laughs> just go. Um, so that, but technical, but I technological, yes. digital. Uh, I am ruling in your favor. There should be uh, a system. Yes. Final Thank ruling. You. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's the idea. So if you have a grievance, please shout out, I have a grievance. Oh, oh, I heard, I heard you. right up front. Wearing a Donna Laser shirt. Oh, yes, Donna Laser and the Meat Warlock. Meet the world. Hello, please tell us your name and pronouns. Hi, my name is Kyle. I am not your brother, probably. Um, we each have blonde hair. That's how you know if you're related, if you have the same <laughs> color hair. But And my other brother and I do not, so maybe you're my true Kyle brother. What's your pronouns? Uh, they, them. So it is Pride Month, so I feel you on the corporations um, contacting me about everything. Mm-hmm. But so my friend here, we exchange cat um, watching. Cat watching? Like yes. you sit? Like you cat sit? Cat sitting, yes, thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, Not just I videos. Thought, you don't just send videos. I don't know to one what another. I thought, quite honestly, but it wasn't cat sitting. Okay. All right. It's like bird watching. You go to a park and you just watch cats. It's a good one over there. Got it. Okay. So he was out of town during Pride Week this week. Okay. Or this month. And I'm a little bit behind on the ratio. So because I have to feed his cat twice a day during Pride Week. Mm Mm-hmm. When I'm supposed to be partying all the time. Yes, Uh you're right. It's your God-given right. I say it's twice as many counts 
Oh, oh yeah. So he owes you twice as many cat sits, cat yes. watches. So if you did four cat watches during Pride Week, he owes you eight. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, prices increase yes. during surge pricing. During this is surge. Months. This is Uber, hotel. This is just good business tactics. Everything. And I mean, friendship Christmas, tactics. If you try to book a hotel during Christmas, the prices have been increased. So I get it. I think that's just yeah. Where inflation. was your Where was your friend traveling to or otherwise unavailable? So I was presenting a, a paper at a national conference in Congratulations. Michigan. Congratulations. Well, Thank that's you. really smart. That's nice. But you still owe him that's nice. eight, cat, eight cat watches. It was an important, now, like, it wasn't like a frivolous vacay trip. None of my vacays are frivolous. Oh, oh. hell yeah. <laughs> hell you yeah. need a frivolous vacay. No. Um, but, but I will say that, that my friend here, they said that, they didn't really enjoy the Pride Week festivities that much. So uh, was it because sure. was it because I'm not sure if it's worth two? Was it because know? their pride was low ruined? Blow. <laughs> low blow. <laughs> was it because their pride was ruined for having to leave twice a day to feed a cat? No Do you one think maybe to that cat watch with a hangover. Oh yeah, we all know we all know those nine in the morning parties just really. You can miss out on those. But you can't. It's hard to get up at 9 in the, in the morning when you've been partying all night. Heather is also a lawyer. Yes. You're doing my defense. Yes. Yeah, well. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I, I, can we split the difference at one and a half cat watches? One and a half surge price. Don and yeah. Jess, I agree. Because it, uh, it was an important trip. Determine amongst yourselves what a half watch means. Yes. But final ruling, one and a half watches to everyone watch. I agree. That's perfect. There we go. Oh, we She has a grievance. What did you, okay. you say before I have a grievance? Landlord. Oh, okay. Oh. Landlord grievance. Landlord grievance. Not licensed in the state of Pennsylvania. But you can call John Morgan, I think, was a name I saw on a billboard. You can, you oh, can try him. Real quick. What, are, what is this bear called... Barbara? Oh, he owns a Jeep dealership. The what are they? It's a Jeep dealership. A Jeep, a Jeep dealership. dealership. Okay. It's Barbara Jeeps. I've seen these Barbara, and then it's Barbera. like, are these the best? Oh, boy, I think so. I was like, what the fuck am I reading? Barbara. I didn't any of it. It's Hanna-Barbera. They created <laughs> cartoons, and now they're doing Jeep Philly deals. Philly native Hanna-Barbera has decided to sell Jeeps. They've branched out. All, All right. right. Okay, what is your name and pronouns? Hi, my name is Gabby, if she, her pronouns. Hi, Gabby. Thanks. So, my landlord... Speak right uh, into it. There you go. <laughs> I know. Eat it. <laughs> so, my landlord, on trash day, comes over, brings his own trash, puts it in our trash bins, and oh. uses... We have four trash bins for an upstairs and a downstairs apartment, uses two out of the four of them, so that leaves one for our top apartment and one from our bottom neighbor's apartment, uh-huh. puts his trash out, and then... And he doesn't live there? No. And no. he overfills the bins? Yes. Ugh. He brings his trash from his own home? Yes. That seems like so much more work than just putting it out by, at your He's own He's transporting the trash? You gotta yes. load your yep. car up with bags of trash. It's a huge pain in the ass. And then what's worse is the next morning after the trash cans have been taken, he doesn't come back and bring them down. He doesn't do anything, so I just leave him. 
and I don't know if if you're if late, I'm responsible yeah. if we get a fine for not bringing oh. down the trash cans that he uses and leaves out. No. Has he had any discussion with you and the other tenants about why he does this? No. Have no. y'all confronted him? He literally will show up at five o'clock. All right, then you work. know what you got to do. You got to be on that curb at five a.m. <laughs> how many? How Flashlight. many other tenants are there besides yourself? One other. It's like a okay. Complex. So you got two, two on people and one of him. Well, already the numbers are in your favor. You're both on that curb at five a.m. when he shows up. You have a spotlight. It turns trash on. Trash car. Catch his ass in the act. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Why would you take your trash somewhere? I mean, trash picks up everywhere, right? D- is it garbage bags full of secrets? <gasps> Have you gone through the trash? It is garbage bags full of, like, corn on the cob pullings and random how, how much corn is he eating? If you had given me... If you had it's given me 20 guesses to what was in that trash bag... Never would have guessed that. Corn on the cob... Sh- Pickings would not even no. been one of them. Does he have a cob habit he didn't want his family to know about? Like Perhaps. husks? Like yeah. corn husks? Yes. Yes. He ate just, the rest of it. He's making dolls. Oh, he's fuck. making dolls. He doesn't want to be caught making corn husk dolls. He's ma- well, but if he's making corn husk dolls, he'd keep the corn husks. So that doesn't make fuck. sense. Fuck. He's making corn cob dolls. Yeah. He's gone the other way and he's making corn cob dolls. Shit, you gotta man. get rid of all the corn husks. Yeah, Jesus. Corn Louise. cob TV. Corn Cop TV, they canceled Coffin Plop, so we're beefing. <laughs> well, I think that Christy's got the right answer. Is that you got to catch him in the act and mm-hmm. just be, oh, I was just throwing my trash away too. Why do you, oh, I thought this was for tenants. Is this for everybody in the neighborhood? And you Columbo. go, what are you doing with all that corn husks? That's what we really, and you go, There's you want your. There's nothing but corn husks. There's Which other, is like, also house- a show Doesn't that matter. should be on Corn, corn Cops. You got to hold the bag up and be like, you want your wife to know what's in this bag? Throw it in a dumpster. Go find another alleyway. Tell him. You got to extort him. He's taking him. advantage of his... Well, yeah. but here's a legal question. If he legally owns the property, does he have... The, he can do that, right? Yeah, he can do whatever. I'm sure he can. I don't, I'm not familiar with Philly law, but I imagine I don't know him personally, but he's like, it's my fucking trash can. <laughs> so there might be that too, which is very frustrating. I don't know. Yeah, you might... Uh, but you have like a Philly Bar Association you can call. If it is uh, interfering with the use and enjoyment of the property, that might... I don't know that it is because you can still technically throw your trash away. It's just unsightly and you're irritated that he doesn't put the cans back. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Maybe just but talk to him. But if he fills up the cans before they get down there, then they don't have anywhere to put their trash. Yeah, it overflows? Yeah. Oh, with all his husks. Corn husks. His discarded husks. Sack of husks. all the room. <laughs> You can't just dump your hus sack anywhere no. you want. Fuck, yeah. You and Put your, a sign. I love a sign. <laughs> you and the other tenant be down there at 5 a.m. next trash day. Turn the, that was a light. That and was a big just, flashlight. You gotta ha- you, you're like, we're not leaving here until we have some questions answered. And there's going to be a lot. Do because- you have raccoons in Philadelphia? A resounding yes. Lure some raccoons to the area. Get him a get like a nice raccoon uh, if you hovel. Heard going our on. most recent episode? Perhaps you heard what There's my some... coworker once if told on me your why she was attacked by a raccoon. <laughs> Go outside. Would, if you can sync your cycle with Trash Day, done. Then show up down at the curb 5 a.m. You're already gonna be in a bad mood. There's gonna be oh, yeah. they're gonna raccoon mount you. swarm. 
They're everywhere. Spotlight. What are you doing with all these corn cobs? And you tell him it's his cobs that are attracting the raccoons. And then be like, we, you know what? This is interfering with the use and enjoyment of the property because this place is lousy with raccoons. <laughs> and it's because of your corn husks. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yep, and then please update us because I need some answers. Film it. <laughs> I got to know a lot. I have a lot of questions and I need them answered. But uh, when's your next trash day? Wednesday. Oh. Wednesday. Episode day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The countdown coming is on. out on Wednesday. Countdown is on. It's something about a cryptid. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a, the Patreon voted on one. Yes. I don't know what one. Fresno Nightcrawler. All right, it's going to be Fresno Nightcrawler. <laughs> so what better day than Fresno Nightcrawler Day to go confront your landlord about his weird trash shit? Get out crawling like those pants. Yeah, crawl like that nightcrawler out there. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All oh, right. I see one over here. I see Let's one over here. Let's come to this side. Come over to this side. Far in the corner. It may be hard to get to. Oh, you got it? Someone is so excited. I pointed. Wow. Like yesterday, we were out on the Penn's Landing, and we were looking for Tommy, and I went, there he is! <laughs> Just out of a crowd. <laughs> it's always might... exciting to spot my husband. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. I might cry. I'm not going to lie. Don't cry. Um, my name is Carolyn. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, Carolyn. Um, hi. I'm a teacher. You're podcast has gotten me through this past year, oh, which has thank been a you. fucking nightmare. Thank you for Aww. what you do. Yes, it has. Well, yes. Give it up for teachers. Give it up for thank teachers. You. Yes. My favorite. Yes. My, my commute was like an hour long, so every day I would watch a different, or listen to a different episode. But anyway, so um, our grievance, my fiance's right here. His name's Mike. Um, Hi, our, Mike. Our, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of Mike fans in the audience. Yeah. A lot of Mike fans. <laughs> So our neighbors are terrible people. Um, God. <laughs> they are racist. They are just everything you could ever imagine. They're horrible people. And their cat is the worst thing I've ever met in my life. Is the cat also They're, racist? It might be. It might be. It might I mean, be. if its owners are. Might be. Their, their cat loves to start shit with, like, other cats. And our dog, mm. it's, it's not a good time. So basically, my grievance is, so they suck. We don't like them. Um, we're wondering if it would be too petty of me to plant. So they're big gardeners. That's like their thing. They have a garden. It's beautiful. I hate to admit it because <laughs> I no. hate them. Yeah. But can I plant bamboo yes. to oh. destroy their garden? Does it destroy it? Oh, yes. I know that it grows very quickly. It spreads quickly. very yeah. quickly and it will demolish their garden. Would it be petty of me to do that? No, no, that's that's uh, revenge bamboo. Is, I think it's always revenge bamboo. Yeah, yeah. It's not even revenge. I think it's just like uh, vengeance. Like you're doing it on behalf of others. That's you're right. like these that's people right. are a menace to everything that is they this encounter. A, is this a garden in the front yard? <laughs> it's so it's in the backyard, and we so have, you have to scale a fence so, to get to it. So we live we live in a duplex. Okay, and we have a we have a backyard, but it's split. It's fenced off between the two of us. Um, but their cat has many a time come over to our yard. So um, you feel like you have the right to go into theirs? I think I might because, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> you get your own cat. You train it listen. to plant bamboo. You get, get a fighting cat. Yeah, you need a fighting cat. Put a cat. little hat on it like a mask, like a cat woman, but it's a cat cat. Beat. And then cat it can cat, fight. Yeah. Get it a little tiny cat whip. Like a little, you know, like Michelle Pfeiffer style in Batman Returns. So, so our dog was going through this phase in his life. It was like every day for two weeks he was throwing up. 
And Same. it was, yeah, it was very sad. We brought him to the vet the whole bit, and the vet x-rayed him, and the vet said, do you have a cat? Oh, no. We're like, well, we don't, but the neighbor does. He said, well, the vet, the neighbor's cat might be, the neighbor's cat was pooping in our lawn and our dog was eating it. Oh. It might be our fault because our dog's the one eating it, but also no, their cat's on our property. It's in your, yeah. Right? yeah that's right. I think. So yeah, they think let that's... their dog out and he opened the door and he looked at me and he said, your dog better not fuck with my cat. <gasps> he said, fuck to you? He said, fuck to me. <laughs> No, you up. can't say that to just people. Your neighbor that like, you're not friends my man, with. My man is like, there's like, I don't even know how many of them live there because they don't talk to me because I'm female and they don't. They is don't it talk. all men? It's there's like three or four men. I don't actually know because they don't talk to me and they're very racist. So they don't. We don't interact. How I've old seen are them. they? What's the age frame the, here? Like sixty plus. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah, I'm mean, not a fan. I don't know From what you've described, I don't think anybody is. It's <laughs> a racist right. six-year-old man. Uh, I don't but know. yes, nobody's racist of any age. Yeah. We call them Duck Dynasty. <laughs> okay, that's a good burn, though. Okay, now Come I'm getting a picture. <laughs> that is a good burn, though. Yeah, that is a good burn. Like, um, so your bamboo plan involves you planting <laughs> bamboo. On only your side of the fence, and then wherever the seeds go, that's just so, what nature wants. So my thought is maybe, so it's a chain link fence. It's a diamond link chain link fence. My thought is maybe I just like creep a little finger through there. Drop a little bamboo on their side and say, oh, yeah. oops. I mean, if you're planting bamboo and a gust of wind comes by right. and just happens to blow some bamboo you're seeds, the, you're taking the seeds out and you give it like, Whoops. yeah. If you have an sneezes. allergy attack while you're planting these seeds, Whoopsie. I don't think you can be held responsible like, for that. Imagine if, like, I don't know, maybe like a cat or something were to eat it and transfer the plants. I don't know, but they, spend you know, some- petal eight pumpkin <laughs> seeds from a pumpkin we gave her. They next year pumpkins were growing in our yard, but. I'm saying bamboo will ruin your life. Good. Well, they, it sounds like they've ruined yours. <laughs> they deserve yours, it, so. right? When they come back to you and they're like, you planted bamboo and then our garden died. I think your bamboo had something to do with the garden dying. You tell them, I think that plants can't grow if the person that planted them is a hateful piece of shit. That's right. So That's right. If you want to get, you should hire a nice gardener or someone to plant it because you're a piece of shit. So your plants are just going to keep dying. Oh, I think it's your baby. It's you're a piece of shit. I can see it. Right. We all know right, right, right. in the neighborhood, you and your families are a racist piece of shit. So your plants are going to keep dying one way or the other. That's right. And I hope, I hope your cat doesn't fuck with my dog. Yeah. That's hey, right. Give him an eyeball. <laughs> give him an eyeball. Yeah. Give him the eyeball. Sneeze him. Sneeze him. Thank yes. you so much. Fuck your Thank neighbors. Thank you very much. I love everyone in Philadelphia except them. <laughs> uh, who else has a grievance? Oh, I saw the hand behind you, and then we'll get to you. Uh, yellow shirt? There we go. <laughs> You're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. She got my shirt Thank you for standing right. up. They're coming. Awesome cat on your yellow yeah. shirt. Cat's wearing a yellow bow tie. You know what? It's a fake. You know what? Oh, that's a lawyer cat. Next time you wear that it's shirt, you also wear a bow tie. So then you and the cat are matching. It's or it's not a bow tie. It's a, it's a, it's a necktie. necktie. Yeah. yeah, I will. I'll, okay. I'll bring yeah, he's time. like, no, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll at least lie and say I will do it. Thank What's you. What's your uh, name and pronouns? My name is Rory. Rory. I'm, I'm a he, him. Thank you, Rory. Um, my grievance is with the ex-drummer in my band. Oh. Ooh. I'm here for this. (laughs) Band drama. Gossipy. Yeah. 
right? A lot of drama, unnecessarily so. So this guy, he started playing with us like right before the pandemic. And then, so he's been with us a couple years, but a lot of that is a lot of not, not playing, you know? And so we had this gig recently in, uh, down in Southern Delaware, a little bit of a drive from here. So me, him, and the band leader all went together in the van, met the keyboard player down there. It's a Sunday afternoon gig at a brewery, low stakes, relaxed, mm -hmm. easy, chill, you know? And so we take a set break, set break ends, we get back up on stage, the drummer's not there. What? You know, so we just kind of start noodling, the keyboard player just moseys on over, starts playing the, starts playing the drums. Oh. You know, 15 minutes later, uh -oh. the drummer shows up. So he had played the first set and then disappeared at the break? Yeah, he was talking to people that he had invited to the gig, which is like fine, but yeah. you know, when it's time to play, you, you gotta, gotta get, get back to your stage. station. You yeah. gotta get to work, you know? Yeah. So, you know, during the set, once he's finally back up there, he's like really like slacking off and he's like stopping here and there. <gasps> during the last song, he's actively breaking down and starting to pack up. Well, I thought you said mentally at first, and I was like, wow. Like, he's, like, sobbing. <laughs> he's just like, he's just like yeah. no, he, he just put his, put his symbols in a case. Yeah. It's like was... if, you're, if you're eating and the waitress starts, like, sweeping under your feet, you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I disturbing you? I was going to eat that. What song was it? Right. I was so going to ask it was what... An, it was an original tune. Fuck yeah. And there was a, a section that has a pretty free-form bass solo. Okay. Which is what I was doing. The nice. Slapping the bass. <gasps> so he yeah. broke down during your solo? <laughs> he started, yeah. He, started, he gets up from the drum, starts grabbing some stuff to put away, and, you know. You're I just having kinda, your moment. Yeah, this is my time. Yes. He's trying he's to take not, that not, from you? Yeah. Mm -mm. Exactly. What kind of music is this? It's, it's like jazz, but it's not jazz. Cool. It's like oh. jazz rock. I it's like, like it. jazz, but better. Is it? it? Is I'm going to help you jazz. with branding here. Don't yeah. go, it's like jazz, but like, no, nah, I mean, kind of yeah. be like, it's like jazz, but better. better. Exactly, yeah. exactly. What's the name of your band? It's called the Dirk Quinn Band. Dirk okay. Quid? Dirk Quinn, like Dirk Diggler. Okay. okay. And then like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah. Is that how you named this band? Is After it... those two people? I wish. Because <laughs> if so, then I think your logo needs to be Dr. Quinn on the top, Dirk Diggler on the bottom. Oh, yeah, Slapping a bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... That's a good t-shirt. I like this. Would wear, would like wear this t-shirt. But, but so then we're driving home. We get in the van, gig's over. He's all like, he's all like upset about keyboard player playing the drums and all this. And we're just kind of ignoring him because it's like, dude, whatever. Like, get over it. Mm-hmm. I get out of the van. Uh, I later find out he's, he's asking why the band leader keeps me and the keyboard player around. And he's demanding that he d deserves more money. Uh-oh. And then he's, uh, he questions the band leader's leadership of the band. You never question the band leader. He questions the it's Dirk Quinn. Ah. The Dirk Diggler Quinn the medicine woman no. himself. You do uh. not question him. And, so, and then he quits the next day. What a display. Good riddance. Yeah. Right? After the silent treatment, he unquits. Nope. You try to Costanza You it. can't do that. You just show back up and be like, didn't you quit? Once you nope. quit, you're done, bro. Unless you're invited back. 
And this is the grievance. Yeah. So now he has quit and he wants to come back? Yeah, nah. he's like, I quit, but it's on these conditions that I can play all these gigs I said I would play. You can't quit no. with conditions. No, is right. No, no, no. You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. That's yeah. how it works. What and are you going to show up to these gigs that, and you know that you've quit, but you're like, that's like you quit at the beginning of your shift. You work the rest of your shift. Everybody's like, we know you don't want to be here. Just leave. Yeah. We don't want you here. Yeah, that's fine. Shut weird. it down. Unless it's like an amicable, happy thing, which I've had jobs like that where I'm like, I'm moving away to go to law school or I'm moving away to go to whatever. Then you have a nice, happy last day. But if you like rage quit something, no. you can't be like, and I'll be continuing for two more weeks. It's like, <laughs> no, you just rage quit. Like, fuck off. That. Yeah, you're out. No, and you didn't, pl- you didn't do the job that you were hired to do, which was drum the drums. Exactly, yeah. Drum the drums. You were schmoozing and that's fine if you want to Be schmooze. respectful of your fellow Bandmates. Also, how are how are you expected to fucking hit those sweet bass lines when you have literally behind your back a person who's willing to talk behind your back? Just moving yep. shit around. No. How are you gonna wail but when then you I'm got talking that about going on? Future gigs. You can't wail on future gigs if you have this yeah. shit talker on the skins mm-hmm. back there, man. Exactly. I'm talking in cool band lingo. I'm yeah, on the stage. If Bubba Sparks was on, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like I'm in a band now. I'm impressed. No, but seriously, I think uh, yeah, you you deserve more respect in that mm-hmm. thank you yes thank yeah you. does he want to stay because he wants the money of the already booked gigs yeah definitely. okay well fuck yeah. off because that's not you gave that up that's whenever not things you were disrespectful. If, you, if that was yeah you should have quit after your last gig was booked like yeah. the most people and by the way when you said you've quit amicably before i realized i think all my quits have been rage quits oh fuck <laughs> I've done a couple of angry I mean, note quits. some have quits. been like two-week rage quits. Oh, yeah. So you're like, I won't be here in two weeks. No, I mean like internally I'm raging, but I'm like, oh, okay. I will give you two weeks. You weren't like, I'm fed up with this shit, but <laughs> I'll, I'll be many, back tomorrow. Many times I have done the I'm fed up with this shit and left <laughs> a job. Once I quit and then finished my shift. So <laughs> why? Everyone knew I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. Why didn't I just leave? No. Much like this drummer. You just you quit, you're out. Yeah, you're done. I think shut it down. I think he. I don't. I don't know if he's contractually obligated to that money. No. If it's like the band is hired and then the members of the band is at the discretion of like the band leader or whatever, yep. then he has no claim. I would say then uh, drums doesn't have a claim to those gigs that gig fund because it wasn't the band with him as drummer. It was just like the band in whatever form. Yeah, that's my yeah. brief. Not licensed in Philadelphia. Yeah, like my my legal brain's like, well, does he have a contract? But I don't know. Depends on what y'all said to him, but I tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah. yeah. Final ruling, go fuck himself. And then um, every winner, when's your next gig? Plug your next uh, gig. The next gig is in Gettysburg. Oh, shit. Go get your history Where on. Where George, George Meade Easby's grandfather, great, great, great grandfather, led the charge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It all ties in. There you go. It ties in. Meant to be. Go see Dirk Quinn Medicine Woman. Trio now. Trio. 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 Was a quartet, now a trio. You know what? You got the uh, the keyboardist can also play the drums, first of all. Yeah, he's talented musician. Keep him around. You don't need him. You don't need him. Buy drums. Buy drums. Thanks. Thank you. We got time for one more. Oh, you promised. Oh, yes, I promised denim jacket. Denim jacket. I What's your, your name and pronouns? Hi, Kyleen and she, her. Kyleen? Yes. Nice to meet you. Hi. 
Um, first of all, I want to like retweet the whole teacher business. Y'all help. Are you a so teacher? Much. Retweet. Teacher Give it up for and teachers. school social worker. Give it up for yeah. teachers. Yes. 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 Big time. Big time. This year was a nightmare. Uh, and I have a school grievance. So okay. Okay. getting a little spicy. Hit me. So, first of all, I've been working on setting boundaries and not doing all the things, and they posted a curriculum writing thing. And I was like, no, fuck that. It's my summer. And then they emailed and were like, hey, we need you for curriculum writing. I was like, all right, sure. Assuming it'll be something that I, like, teach or know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got the email this week, and they want me to, like, write curriculum for foreign language. The problems with that are we don't um, have a foreign language teacher. (laughs) Um, We don't teach foreign language, and I don't speak a foreign language. Hmm. So I guess my question is, do I say absolutely, yeah, sure, you can pay me for that, I'm going to take whatever you have and then just like resubmit it? Or do I say, fuck it, I'm going to sit my ass on the beach uh, for an extra two weeks and not come to work? Do you so. get paid <laughs> more? You're already, as teachers, you are paid through the summer, as you should be, correct? No. You're not paid no. through the summer? No. Oh, I thought you Some did. It depends on no. what school yeah. you work at. Some of them divvy your pay up so you do still get paid in the summer. Okay. But others do not. Some yes. do not. Some of our teacher believe, friends do get paid during the yeah, summer. Yeah, some in Texas some they schools. do, but maybe Illinois doesn't. I can't remember. Something like that. So yeah. you would... Right now, you're not getting a paycheck, but if you did this thing, they would pay you? You get, like, a like a contractual rate. And how like, long would it take you to do this? I think they're giving us, like, 20 hours to do the curriculum. So, a, a week. Less than a week? Yeah. But, okay. like, I don't know what I'm doing. No, yeah, I'm not saying <laughs> like, do it. I'm just... can barely speak English. Like, yeah, I well... <laughs> what do you teach every day? English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Did, right. you, did they just see that you taught English and they were like, English <laughs> is like, a foreign language to some language. people. They're like, Kylie will teach do other it. Languages. She's, she's They're like, yeah, English is foreign to some people. It's a foreign sure. language to some people, yeah. Right. Um, uh, no, not know. the same. Do Why, you, are they trying to start a foreign language department at the school? No. So what is no. the point of this? Um, I think we're mandated to, to have okay. it, but we don't, we don't have it. It sounds to me like so. you can't fail. <laughs> at this right. like right. there's a, a little bit of a maybe a pattern you can follow from somebody that previously had done it but also if no one's gonna use it you know no harm no foul right? do your best okay. it's 20 hours uh but if they were forcing you to do it and you like really vehemently didn't want to do it but they're not they just kind of voluntold you they were like this like there's all the other subjects and they're like okay you're doing this one and like I. but don't, you can I don't... say no i mean i could in theory what do you want to do? One, two, three. Don't think about it. Go, go, go. I'm a Capricorn. I really like money. Okay. Then do it. Then but do it. I'm a Capricorn. Get I love paid. money. Get money. Get paid. I'm get a Capricorn. I feel this. Yes. And yes. as a Capricorn, we also want to do things the way we want to do them, yes. and we don't like being told what to do. I'm a Capricorn through and through. But given the out that there's nothing to be for this to be modeled against like you're kind of paving the way you can just do whatever and kind of as a capricorn i know you're not going to half ass it because we don't half ass anything impossible but you can spend 20 hours on it get something done get that money and then go to the beach and you have a little extra money if you put in a good faith effort i don't think they could tell you that it's wrong because no, then the true. out you have is well i don't teach that subject so maybe find someone else who did anyway i did the work though so money please <laughs> perfect sounds solid yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds That's good plan. thank Cheers. you thank you thank you and thank Cheers you for teaching you. and thanks to your friend 
Well, speaking of thank yous. Yes, speaking of thank yous. Thank you all so much to all of you that came out thank tonight. You so You've been much a wonderful crowd. Thank you for being here. Thank you for existing. I love Philadelphia. Philly's great. Philly is great. I did ask earlier, I said, where, is, where was Fresh Prince from? And you said South Philly. West I said, Philadelphia. I said, I said West. Yeah, oh, West. I'm sorry. I, I was said, like, don't get me don't out sorry. of this place. I said, where are we we'll driving? And you Philly Street Grid. North. So we were not near West Philadelphia. We were not near West Philadelphia. We were near Chestnut Hill. So. Yeah, so I guess we were North Philly. We were, yeah, North. Never eat soggy waffles. Northwest, yeah. What? I had to do the in north, north? east, never eat soggy waffles. Oh. So I was like looking at a map. I was like, we were that way. I've never heard that. Interesting. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. Uh, well, thank you all so much. Thank you so much to the Theater of Living Arts. Theater of Living Arts, CLA Beautiful Philly. space here. What a great crew. Everybody's been so kind to us and taking good care of us, so take care of them. Yes. If you're VIP, go ahead and stay seated. They're going to tell you what to do. We got it before we leave. If not, yeah, we got to get a picture for, and it's a video, so. Oh, look at There you go. Everyone scream. (laughs) Thank y'all. There we go. Thank you so much. You guys have been wonderful. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, if you liked that live show, we can do one better. On October 27th at 7.30 p.m. in Dallas, Texas at the iconic Texas Theater, we will be having our last live Sinister Hit show of the year. But this isn't just an in-person event. If you can't make it to Dallas... We also have a worldwide digital experience via Moment where you can watch from literally anywhere in the world, Heather. Anywhere you want to be at, stay at, watch from home on moment.co slash sinisterhood. And it's available, the replay is available for 10 days after. This is not going to be released in our feed as a live show. It's going to only be filmed for Moment. Uh, And so if you want to be there and not fly all the way to Dallas, we get it. It's still 90 degrees here and it's October. So hopefully by the end, it'll be nicer. But just stay where you're at. Like I said before, if you want to take your pants off, if you want to leave them on, I don't care. We won't know. Moment.co slash sinisterhood. You join the fun. We're also about to have some exclusive merch that you can only get either in person at the show or on Moment. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, make sure you secure your spot. We're also going to have a very special Judge Christie that will allow you you to participate from anywhere so keep your eyes peeled and you can virtually submit your grievance to judge christy and then have her respond live on the moment also if you're coming to the dallas show and you're like that was so much fun but i don't quite remember everything you can also after the show get a sign up for the moment and watch the replay on you know if you're like oh i remember when that happened but i don't know exactly we got you. We got you covered with the replay. And this isn't just a single feed stream. It is, like Christy said, a worldwide digital experience. So it's also a completely different show structure than we normally do. So it's really something that's going to be uh, special. So you got to be there or I'm bringing it back. Be there or be square. Be there or be square. And you can get a 25% off discount code if you sign up for our Patreon for the moment tickets. But if you are in Dallas or you have the ability to come to Dallas, Come to Dallas, because it's going to be fun. This theater is very iconic. It's where Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested after he allegedly assassinated JFK. Allegedly. So it's a, there's a lot of history there. It's a very cool space. It's right before Halloween. It's Heather's birthday eve. People are going to come in costumes. There's going to be all sorts of fun stuff. So 
sinisterhood.com slash live shows. If you can make it in person, we're going to have a blast and we hope to see you there. Let's get rowdy. <laughs> we love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode. Last month in September, we did Loab, the AI cryptid, and we posted some of our AI images on Patreon, including Bigfoot Dolly Parton, <laughs> or Dolly Parton Bigfoot, however you want to say it. But uh, that was quite fun to now also see other people's AI mm-hmm. art, so join us on Patreon to check that out. You also get exclusive audio content, including Am I the Asshole Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister True Crime Headlines, and so much more. And patrons in the Getting Into It tier are able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would like to see live streamed. We have the live stream scheduled for Thursday, October 20th at 8 p.m. Central. And y'all y'all can vote on Patreon.com and figure out what we're going to do. Yes. It's whatever y'all want to do. we got some fun stuff planned for October. <laughs> You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month's Q&A is on the 19th at 8 p.m. Central Time. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. When you select this option, you are rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming, and if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit SinisterHood.com click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Check us out on YouTube and our TikTok channel at Sinisterhood Podcast. And we've got some cool videos on TikTok now. Um, and they're getting some traction. So I think they're very, they're very fun. We're taking uh, Freaky Friday stories and making them TikToks, making them TikToky. Yeah. Yeah, just a, it's a fun way for people to share the Freaky Friday stories with people that maybe don't listen. Yeah. So bring new folks to the fold. Heather's killing it. <laughs> you uh, can also find us on our own stuff. I'm at Christy M. Wallace on Instagram, and I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and then I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shout-outs. Shannon Saban. Brooke Runyon. Alicia Jacobson. Jill. Danielle L. Trinity Walsh. Pip. Stanny Tabby. Matt. Amanda Lohman. Hannah Hobbs. Stephanie Starr. Laura Pendergraft. Elizabeth Riggs. Janina Majerin. SH318Y. Shona Martins. Caitlin Nalen. Amy Woolley. C. Johnson. Jenny Hertenberger. Katie Santos. Miranda Melville. Rochelle Rye. Caitlin Durbin. Elisa Vili. Megan Hupp. Angelina Cooper. Kendra Gay. And Megan Fitzmorris. Thank you so much for supporting this show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. We hope we pronounce your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Mwahaha. <laughs> Sinister.